What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel or the Biker Bar Channel. Man, I, I need to get my shit together this morning or this afternoon. Dude, I don't even know what's going on anymore. Anyways, here we are. This episode 57 got Trail Boss back on. I'm super stoked to talk to Jeff again. You know, I have to try and look up his name every time I type it on anything because I have a tendency to want to spell it completely different than the way that he does. So I'm either going to talk him into getting his name changed or maybe I'll just learn it. So today's sponsor, let's talk about them because they're pretty important. Uh, today's sponsor is Patreon. You guys out there that are hooking up the show, make, keeping the beer fridge full. If it's a buck a month, it makes me happy. If it's five bucks a month, you get a sticker pack and I'm really happy. That, that, that's like a good IPA I can get with that, right? Not a, not a full one. I need two people to be able to get a good 22, right? So that's your cue, guys. Head over there, get a sticker pack, get beer in, in my belly. That'd be awesome. Um, let's see. If you're listening on the podcast, do me a favor, leave a review. I love it whenever I read them. I got a comment from some like, apparently podcasts like go all over the place. And I got a comment from some podcast like distributor that I never even heard of. And some guy was like, I love the, the, the show. I was like, this is great. I don't even know where the hell you're listening to it, but this is awesome. If you like the, uh, if you like what I'm doing over here, like the, the video or even better yet, subscribe because I have a goal, man. I really want to see this thing hit 10 K in one year. And according to some dumb website I looked at the other day, it says I'm only going to hit 6K. So I want you guys to prove them wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, if you haven't been on my Instagram or follow my Facebook, go check those out at BikerB1. And since the, uh, the there's not a, a, a company, let's say, sponsoring the show today, I want to take a minute just to talk about some products that I like whenever I don't have a sponsor. And today I just wanted to mention to you guys, I have like religiously been eating these cliff shot blocks for like years i love this mountain berry but i think my new favorite is the um salted watermelon but then they also have these shots too cliff shots they're like a load of hot goo in your mouth we can get into that on a different podcast <laughs> anyways let's get let's get going here i got jeff lanowski on what's up jeff how you doing brother what's up how are you good man um, I see you're rocking the, uh, the, the haircut there, huh? The corn, the, the actual, not a haircut, the, not a haircut, the so not a haircut. Is, is that like a like little, little party the in the back? It's yeah, it's pretty much a full mullet now at this point. I just, I started, <laughs> I stopped cutting it after Sedona Uh huh. and this is it. Who knew Sedona was going to be the last thing that we did in 2020, right? Right. Oh yeah. Like I was looking through old video footage recently of like, all kinds of cheers shots and yeah. high fives and nowadays you're like Ugh. Seems yeah kind of weird. No, it's so weird it's so awkward like without getting into all the jazz like I, I just i don't know i have a hard time with the like no fist bumps or handshakes and it's like you walk up to somebody and there's like this awkward moment of like what do we do are we like we're allowed to touch each other are we, like are you one of the elbow bumpers or you, you know what i mean you're like yeah. Because I'm like totally a high fiver hugger. Yeah, like, yeah. Bumper, something. Right. Yeah, so, can't do anything. Yeah, it's just so weird, man. I mean, and yeah, just I don't know. I don't know how. To, I don't know how. I'm doing my best I can, right? What do you got back there hanging on the wall? Is some Mister T bling back there? What is that? 
Um, that it, is it looks like a cassette with a big chain on it, like oh, that all was, in gold. Yeah, there you go. That was a, a bike magazine video award back when videos were on DVD. Oh, <laughs> not, shit. not YouTube. Uh, What's bike a DVD magazine. for the kids that are listening, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Bike Magazine did a uh, a video award ceremony that they would do it at Sea Otter every year. Uh huh. And they would do like you know best movie, best segment, best urban assault, which is uh-huh. what I which is what I won that medal for. Oh, right on, dude. Yeah. So it was for Chain Reaction Five. It was a a series that was kind of East Coast based. Uh, Aaron Chase was always in it. Uh-huh. Who's it? Who's in my newest YouTube video? I don't know if you saw it. He took me for a ride on some e-bikes. Maybe that's a topic we can get into later. Oh yeah. Or or maybe we'll call. Uh, who hates him? Joseph? No, Joseph doesn't hate him. Uh, oh no, uh, daily. Daily rider hates yeah, him. daily does. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't. I don't know. When I talked to him though, I think I think by the end of the podcast, he was like warming up already. So I feel like I feel like he's swayable. <clears throat> yeah i don't know i don't i don't think i'll trade in my pedal bike anytime soon but i think they are pretty sweet yeah no i i haven't ridden i i have not ridden the e-bike mountain bike yet like the only only e-bike that i've ridden there was like a norco demo that that i was helping promote and um they had like a touring e-bike in the van and they were like dude you at least gotta try it out and i was like pedaling up this hill and it was just like it blew my mind so i could totally see how how infectious it would be on a mountain bike was that how how many times have you done a bunch or? that was the that was the first time i ever really gave one an honest ride uh-huh. and it was with aaron and uh he's sponsored by shimano i'm sponsored by shimano and he had a whole demo fleet of bikes because of his bike sponsor now and he just we were in new hampshire i went up there to ride Highland mountain bike park and a bunch of other places and uh he was like hey we should go for an e-bike ride tomorrow and I just uh-huh. figured I'd just go and just do it for fun and yeah. end up being like, I mean, if you watch the video, it's on my channel. When I was, I've never edited back footage of myself and felt like nervous for myself. It was, oh, really? ske- it was super, super, super sketchy riding all on the sides of cliffs and all these granite slabs in North Conway, New Hampshire, and just doing these insane climbs where you couldn't do it on a regular mountain bike. Like, right. I, I think I'm a pretty good climber, technical climber. I, you couldn't make these climbs on a regular mountain bike. Yeah. So, um, no, there's like a lot of people that say, I don't want to go off onto a huge e-bike tangent, but like there, I have so many friends that say they're just, if you're lazy or whatever, but I definitely wasn't lazy. I ended up, we rode four hours and we rode stuff we would never ride. So it's like, you just unlock another level, you know, you go further, you go further, you go faster, you know, you climb more. It's not about like doing the same ride, making it easier. Right. If you if you have that competitive nature in you, right? You're like, oh, I could climb a ten degree slope with no motor. Let me do a twenty degree with motor. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it was fun. I I won't trade in my pedal bike, but it was fun for sure. Yeah, I was talking to some other guy, and and they did like they were up in Downingville, and they did like eight thousand feet of freaking climbing that day. It was like insane. I mean, I'm I'm not saying I'm in amazing shape but i'm in pretty freaking good bike shape and there's no way i could do eight thousand feet on a mountain bike in a day that's a lot yeah. of climbing for sure yeah you know <laughs> i think my biggest day was probably around four thousand, and that was like that was a serious effort you know really yeah 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 so do you ride today today i actually did not ride my bike I how much like do you, how, how often do you ride i probably ride five days a week Something like yeah. that. 
five, six days a week, but today I actually chilled and didn't, didn't ride. So it was nice to like take a day off. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So like five, like legit, like mountain bike rides or like five days, like some days you're, you're screwing around doing some trials or like, how, how's that work out? Um, I mean, I would say at least four days a week I'm going for, well, right now it's been really, really hot. I mean, it's uh -huh. probably not as hot as it is by you, but for New Jersey with the humidity, it's been in the nineties constantly. Oh yeah. So that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's really hard to not just go to the bike park every day. So I've pretty yeah, much yeah. been going to mountain Creek every day. Just like oh, riding, right on. riding. Yeah. Park. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause it's just, it's too hard not to. And I, I right. saw that you've been trying out some DVO stuff. I just yeah. got a DVO JDEX coil and I put it on my bike and I got an Onyx fork and put it on my bike uh -huh. and like taking that bike to the bike park. You just feel like you're Superman. So yeah. the heat and the, and the new stuff on my bike that makes it really bike park friendly. I've, I've had a hard time not just going to the bike yeah, park. Yeah, I saw that day. on one of your videos the other day that you were talking about putting that stuff on. Yeah, yeah. I was so, talking to the dude at DVO and I asked him if I could put a that coil on my Bronson and he said that he recommended the the air shock though. Really? Is it, yeah, is it I mean it maybe just was his opinion or something like that. Um Jeff or Jeff, I don't I forget how he, he spells okay, it like Geoff, but it, it's like I think it's Jeff, right? I went through a phase in I think 6th grade where I spelled my name G E O F F yeah. For about for about three weeks because there was a BMXer from California, Jeff Schofield. Yeah. That spelled his name like that. <laughs> so for like, you know, three weeks in high in like middle school, I was like, it's G O F F for now on. Yeah. And then I then I then I went back. Uh yeah, that's Jeff. Yeah. It's it, you know, some some bikes have more progressive and some have more linear spring curves. Uh -huh. So maybe that Bronson, I have never looked at it, but it might have uh a more progressive or linear spring curve that they don't, they don't think would be suited well for, yeah, yeah, for that. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows, man? I, you know, it's, I've been really wanting to try one. So if, if I can't put one on the Bronson, I guess I'm just gonna have to buy a new bike. Man. <laughs> well, we can, <laughs> we can set you up with a Reeb. They work really yeah. well on those. I'd have to, I'd have to really consider it. I mean, it'd be tough for me to leave the Santa Cruz clan, dude. You have been Santa Cruz for a long time, huh? Yeah, you know, I posted a picture of my uh, my gravel bike on Instagram the other day, and freaking uh, Hardtail Party just like outed me instantly. He's like, "Dude, wait a minute, that's not a Santa Cruz because it's a Marin." I'm like, "Well, I guess you found out I have more than Santa Cruz in the garage. I actually have a Raleigh in the garage too." Do you really? Nice. Yeah, it's my single speed road bike. That was my. Uh, that's the the way I first got into that road biking thing and honestly like i'm not a road biker i'm just a guy trying to burn calories so i can drink more beer <laughs> i used to i used to road bike quite a bit yeah um and it was super fun um just go out and zone out and you know do like a couple hours or three hours on a nice country road or whatever yeah um and then, I, and then you know the past four or five years i've been mountain biking a lot more i was doing that when i was trying to race enduro a little bit more just uh -huh. easier to do like long rides on a road bike. But I recently, I got a gravel bike as well. And it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I put slicks on mine right now. Cause we're just riding. There's this paved trail and sac from Sacramento to Folsom. It's like 32 miles. It follows the river. And um, I've been getting out in the morning with the lady. We, we've been doing like 20 miles, like Monday through Friday. So oh, my nice. leg. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. It's definitely like, I can, t I can tell. I, I've done, you know, I used to commute to work on my bike and that was like a 32 mile round trip. And I knew that like the first couple of weeks were just going to suck. And then after that, like you start 
your body gets used to it. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what we're doing every day. Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, like, like even with riding those rides Monday through Friday, I rode yesterday mountain with the lady. And then today I did like, what was it? Like almost 2,300 feet of climbing. So I was like, that was on a mountain bike though, you know? That's solid. Yeah. 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 I know. Definitely solid, solid week, man. So I'm freaking putting, I'm clocking some miles in, but it doesn't matter anymore because freaking Garmin's down. Right. I saw that. Garmin's like the Facebook. $10 million. Oh yeah. That's what they were asking for. $10 million. Just go buy a Wahoo. Right. I don't know, man. I'm like deep in the, I'm like, I, I guess I'm a brand loyalist. Cause like I got a Garmin like way back when I don't need shit at this point. It's probably been like, good God, it's been almost 15 years when I got my first one. And, uh, I don't know. It's like, you know, Hey, this works. I like it. I, you know, it's got my like history. So it's like, dude, if I went to Wahoo, then I'm going to have to go some other website. If I want to look for that ride that I did in freaking 2009, you don't put them all on Strava and just use that as a database. I didn't use Strava. I didn't start using Strava until maybe a little over a year or two. No, I bet you I started it right around, right around whenever I started the channel. So are you talking about like Garmin connect? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause and I, if it, you, if you merge that with Strava, it's not going to populate it with all your old stuff. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. No, it just uploads my okay. new ones. So like right. whenever I start, I think it was like when the Garmin 520 came out, it would upload to Strava automatically. That's probably yeah. when I did it. And then, um, and then after that, um, then it's, it, so it's got my history from there. Actually, I didn't, I was always like anti Strava because I always heard, you know, all these people like, oh, those Strava guys. And like, it didn't really, I never, because of all the negative publicity, I never even like looked at what it was. And then right. one of my friends was like, dude, no, you got to try it, man. Cause it like remembers how fast you went on like segments of the trail. And I'm like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense to me, you know, because I, I could care less about how I'm ranking to everybody else in the world, you know? Right. But, right. but actually being able to like, man, I felt really good today. And then finding out you're like a minute slower, you know, or like, yeah, man, I was, I wasn't doing very well. And you're like, dude, I freaking PR like that. That feels good. I like that motivation, you know? Yeah. It, it, I mean, there's pros and cons to it. Like when it first came out, I was totally into it you know my competitive yeah. side i'd try to go get every kom but then i noticed that it, it ended up having like a negative effect because if you were going out for a ride and you and you were like kind of on the fence about whether or not you'd want to try that day yeah, yeah. like i would deliberately not try at all yeah so that i could like tell myself that you didn't really try because like you said some days when you you feel like you're trying and you're like, shit, I was a minute slower. Yeah. yeah. Then it like messes with your head. So then like psychologically, I'd be like, well, I'm going to not even remotely try today so yeah. that I can tell myself that I didn't try, but then you don't end up getting as, in as good yeah. of a ride. And then now I, I like, I just put it on just to like, I don't really pay any attention to it anymore, but I just put it on to uh, just record like the history of rides or if I do yeah, something yeah, cool, totally. I could send it to, you know, send somebody the file or, yeah, you know, just kind of keep like a log, and then yeah. I mean, there's still our days that, you know, I might put on a new fork or something, and and try to like see if it's faster than you know mm -hmm. my better time. But I mean, everything changes. Like trail conditions are always, yeah, you know, yeah. Strava time, Strava time on a trail that's two years old doesn't mean anything. It's not right. It's not the same. Yeah, it's not comparing apples to apples. So yeah, I have a couple of, of trails that I look at my Strava 
pretty frequently on, but I think it's for like one of them was a bet that me and some buddies made about you know who's fastest. So I'm always keeping an eye on that, like where we're at, you know. Yeah, dragon. And then yeah, sure. yeah. And then there's one where it's like it's not even a very long climb. It's like a local place. It might be probably like 300 feet or something like that of like elevation, but it's like, I don't know, maybe a half a mile or something. And I always kind of use that one to judge like how in shape I am. Like, I'm like, Oh, if I'm hitting in five minutes on that segment, then I know I'm like freaking like super in shape. And if I'm at nine minutes, I'm like, dude, you better be hungover, dude. You know? Right. Right. (laughs) So, yeah, it is. I mean, it is pretty consistent for road riding for sure aside from temperature and stuff like that. But I mean, there's less variables on a road climb. Like I would always use it for road climbs when I was training and stuff, but you definitely notice a huge disparity. Like if it's a 70 degree day and nice and cool, you're not going to do the same thing in 90 degrees or hundred degrees. Yeah. You get a tailwind dude. And you're on a sudden. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I did that the other day, man. My legs were like toast when I started the ride, but I had this badass tailwind next thing you know, I'm like averaging like 20, 21 miles an hour. I'm like, and then that gets you going. Cause then you're yeah. like, oh man, I gotta just hammer it. I gotta take advantage of this. But now, yeah. like my PRs on those sections are so far away. It's like the only way it's ever gonna be get eaten is like a better tailwind. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's cool. my patented move is always leaving the trails and forgetting to turn off my computer, and then like oh, getting yeah. a, getting a couple road KOMs, and I'm sure that pisses everybody off, and yeah. then they flag it, and I'm like, sorry, I didn't do it on purpose. I just forgot to turn off my computer because I always forget every single time. Yeah, you can go back and, and edit the. You can trim it. The, yeah, it's super, yeah. super easy now. It but it doesn't do, harder. But I don't think you can do it on the app though, on the mobile app, which kind of sucks because it's like I don't want to turn on my computer and then I forget right, about that would it. Be right. Yeah, just be like, my bad. Back it up. So <laughs> you mentioned you mentioned uh, the the new the new fork as well. How are you liking that thing? I think for big dudes like us, it's awesome. You know. Um, for trail riding and everything, the diamonds is completely appropriate. But when you're really riding rough terrain, especially at a bike park where you're riding a lot faster mm-hmm. and there's a lot more uh, brake bumps and, and really hard hits, you know, guys our size, we're, mm-hmm. we're going to flex that fork back a little bit and it's not going to actuate as smoothly, mm-hmm. you know, with the 35 millimeter stanchions, you, you mm-hmm. would never see it by your blind eye. But that fork is flexing back a little bit. So then the sliders aren't going to slide as freely going to the 38 millimeter stanchions. It's, it's unbelievable. Like it's so much more active when you have to really break hard on rough terrain. So how big it's, are the stanchions? It's crazy. 38 millimeters. So is that the reason that the Fox is called a 38 then that new one? Yep. Fox, oh. Fox, the 36 was, so Fox had a 34 and a 36. Yeah. And EVO, and they came out their first platform. It was like kind of in the middle. They did a 35 millimeter. Uh-huh. So it was like kind of split the difference. And then they came out with this new single crown onyx. That's 38. So, but it's the weight is very comparable to a diamond. It's like maybe 50 oh, grand wow. heavier. So oh, I that's mean, it's like nothing. You could totally like shave, worth, totally worth it for sure. Yeah. You could like shave your beard and save that much weight. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Like literally I was, laughing down the trail the other day the first run down oh, my friend wow. was like what are you That's laughing nice. at I'm like i'm laughing because this fork is like ridiculous it's like a 180 though right can how far down can you can you you can do 160 it? to 180 so okay yeah. so yeah I so mean, i could throw it on my my bronson then it'd be great yeah absolutely even like on my uh on my 
my trail bike, I usually set it up as 130 in the rear, but I still keep 160 in the front. So I'll, I'll mm-hmm. just keep that fork on all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mess you up like having that much in the, fr- that much of a difference between the front and the back. No, because like even on my hardtail, I have zero in the back and I have yeah. 140 in the front. So it's um, funny. As I was saying that sentence, that's what I started thinking about yeah. too. I was like, I got 140 on my hardtail. So. And it makes a bigger difference on the the hardtail. Like that's one of the things that I learned when I got my first hardtail from Reeb. It was a 67 degree head angle, 140 millimeter travel fork. Felt awesome trail riding and everything. But then when you start doing like really um, gnarlier riding or or real steep riding, mm-hmm. a, a suspension bike will squat. So your head tube angle kind of stays within a certain range. You know, mm-hmm. if, if your 150 millimeter travel trail bike is has a 65 degree head angle and you hit a bump the whole thing is going to squat. It's going to maybe stay 65, 66, but on a hardtail, it's all going into the fork. So it's going to, you know, go from 67 to 69, 70, whatever, get really yeah. steep and get twitchy. So when we did the new bike, which is like, like was my signature bike called the ridiculous, mm-hmm. we put a 65 degree head angle on it, which was pretty slack for a hardtail. Yeah. Super slack. But then the rear, the rear end is super <laughs> short. It's like 16 inch chain stays with a 29er. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it like ends up, right on. It ends up being, then. yeah, it ends up being super nimble still. Right on, man. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to try that thing out. That'd be fun. I, I am. I'm. I'm like. I'm on the fence with with buying a 29er now. I, I uh, for the longest time, I've been a 27.5 guy, and when I got that Chameleon, I rode it with 29 inch wheels for a while. And then I went to the 27.5 plus, which is definitely more comfortable, you know, but, uh, and it's really close to the same wheel size, you know, like the diameter. The wheel like, diameter is very, yeah. very close. So yeah. I'm basically running a 29er right now. And I, I actually thought about maybe going, putting 29 wheels back on it and then just running like 2.6s or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. 2.6. 2.6. 2.6 front, 2.4 rear, maybe, or just two, yeah. On my hardtail, I run 2.6s front and rear. Yeah, and I have two, two eight on it right now. Okay, yeah. Saves my back. Uh, my lower back freaking sucks, dude. Especially on on the hardtail. After a while, it's just like it just gets beat up. Yeah. So the biggest thing, like with the plus tires, is it it smooths out the trail because it's a larger radius. So front to back, it fills in. You know, if there's a a little pocket, it rolls over that easier. Mm-hmm. But then since it's wider, it also fills in the cracks width wise too. So it kind of gets kind of smooths out everything. So it makes it pretty nice. Yeah. It definitely smooths out the trail a lot. I've definitely really enjoyed it. And I, I put the cush core in there too, so it stiffens up the sidewalls a little bit because I, I yeah, was that's, thinking that, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It definitely makes a big difference. You know, I um I've had cush core in my Bronson for a long time and um a couple weeks ago, I don't remember anyways i like you know whenever you're teaching somebody how to how to ride a um a full suspension bike a lot of times what i'll do is i'll have them like run straight into a curb you know and just to like show them like look man this thing like look at that curb it's like six to eight inches tall like run into it do not pick up your handlebars at all and it'll it'll eat it right up you know and it's a really good like confidence booster for people yeah So one of our friends, she's just getting into mountain biking and and I I was telling her to do that. And of course, you know, I'm like, look, I'll show you. Well, I do it and like my rear tire is low and I freaking pinch the tire, dude, just freaking cut it like right at like the the bead, right? You know, 
And I didn't notice it until we got to where we were going. And so I like pumped it up because I noticed it on the climb, like we were doing a climb at the beginning. I was like, man, my ass ends feeling a little squirrely. So I got to the top. I'm like, oh, well, I guess it just leaked. And I pumped it up. And then we started riding and it just was like, <sighs> all of it, all the air was gone. So I had to take the cush core out to put a tube in. That's the really long version of what I was getting at. And because I did that, I took the cush core out the front on the, the next week just to, to see, like, it's been a long time. Holy shit. My first ride, dude, my wheels felt like, like bouncy balloons. Like I was so used to the way that like how solid it makes the wheels feel. Do you run yeah. cush core all the time or? I run a Vittoria airliner in the rear of my bike. So not mm -hmm. in the front, just the rear. And I think that for bigger guys like us, shocks react different. Yeah. Tire sidewalls react different. You know, so for, I think for guys our size, it, it makes a huge difference and it's pretty invaluable. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're a 140 pound person, you're not going to flex a sidewall like you and I are going to. Yeah. I think it's like a exponential curve. How much yeah. we flex a tire sidewall versus somebody else. I think a lot I of mean, guys don't realize that you're, you're a pretty big dude too. I mean, what you're like six, five, six, six, four, two twenty-five. Yeah. So, yeah. You're a big dude. Man. I'm a big dude. So like, for instance, <laughs> like, uh, you know, when, when everybody got into like the cutty phase and, and slapping turns and whatever, uh -huh. I like, I just couldn't do that at first because I would just burp the tire. So I was like yeah. just doing that and then burping the tire and then like going down the hill five yeah. miles an hour because you burped our air with push cords <laughs> and stuff like that. You, you could get a little bit more, you, you could have a little bit more fun and throw your bike around. But that's prior funny. to that, it's like, I'd like to do that, but it's just yeah. burp my tire. So it's not going to do that. Gonna work. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I would yeah. always like, like back even before tubeless, like the pressures that I would run, everybody would be like, what? I'd be like, dude, you don't weigh what I do, man. Like you just don't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. You're, I mean, and so is there a lot of bigger guys that are into trials or like, were you always just like standing out? I definitely stood out for sure. I mean, yeah. just in relation to the regular population, I was always tall. Yeah. So yeah. the, Early on, it taught me to, to learn that I needed to be super smooth mm -hmm. because, you know, nowadays you can go and get an awesome bike for from just about any brand, whatever. Yeah. Back yeah. then, we were doing it on, like, I don't know if you – I sent you that video as a joke today. It's uh -huh. on my Instagram, the thing with Regis Philbin and Kathy, Regis Philbin and Kathy Lee or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. I was on their show in 96. Like, we, le we legit rode – like I would be six four, I would ride a, a just a regular stock medium cross country frame. Oh wow! And you were riding, you know, regular rim brakes and regular tires. Yeah. And um, there was a brand called Club Roost. They made the first like high end riser bars. But prior to that, like if you wanted riser bars, you had to buy crappy handlebars. Like nobody made high end riser bars. You mm -hmm. bought, you would buy like you know for like a, a touring bike or whatever. Like if you wanted oh, riser yeah, bars. Yeah. And then finally, like a brand called Club Roost came up with like actual riser bars, but it was just like, I would just break stuff all the time, like uh -huh. literally all the time because wheels weren't strong and, you know, forks would break and just all kinds of stuff. So being 6'4", 225 pounds, just You've always made that much? Like even when you were younger, you were, you were around that? Pretty, like, I mean, when I was super young, when I was in high school, I was uh probably well i wrestled in high school so i wrestled 190 pounds 189 uh -huh. pounds oh wow so you're then, pretty when, then i went too. then when i went to college i was probably like 245 because i was like frank the tank 
yeah. party guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then when I was on like Regis and Kathy Lee, we, we always did trials and like with trials, you always had like, kind of, you always wanted to kind of try to fit in. So like, you know, you would, you would wear the same kit as everybody else wore and everybody was racing downhill and they were racing cross country and spandex. So we would do like, yeah. if I got on twin, I wanted a spandex skin suit like everybody else wore, you know? So you kind of had to make sure you were in shape during those years. Yeah, dude. I never you're did like that, literally man. riding in a leotard. And I remember yeah. being like so psyched. I remember the first year I got on Schwinn, I was like, you know, the oddball because no no teams really had a trials rider back in the day. Yeah. There, yeah. Was, Han, there was Hans Ray riding for GT. There was Libor Karras. He was riding for Volvo Cannondale. He was like, a, came from the Czech Republic. Hans invited him over. And then Libor was really good. And there was one U.S. guy riding for uh, the heck is it Ross? Remember Ross bikes? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So guy Mark Brooks was riding for Ross, and I was riding for Schwinn. Like that was the extent of like factory sponsored yeah. trials, guys. So we would all like we we wanted to play the part, and we wanted to look like we were on a team. So you wore spandex. Yeah, and it just I could, it's mind boggling I... now to think that like. Because I got into trials because I was in I was into mountain I was into BMX and skateboarding. Yeah, yeah. So you go from that culture to of wearing like, spandex. You know, like nowadays people <laughs> wear skinny jeans, whatever. It's kind of come full circle. But like yeah, back then, it was like big baggy pants and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then like so you come from kind of like the streets, so to speak, because they were yeah. like urban sports. Right. And trials riding was like the closest thing. I I got my mountain bike. Cause it was a big, it, I was into BMX and it was a mountain bike just seemed like a big BMX bike to me. Uh -huh. so I didn't want to like ride far. I, I did race downhill, but like I was just better at trials, but like I didn't care how far I rode or whatever. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to like jump off stuff. Yeah. So, so you do that and like you would do that with your friends all the time in jeans and t-shirts or whatever. But then you right. get on this factory team and you're like, I'm going to put on spandex. <laughs> and it was like, I like, we laugh now thinking like, what if you ever fell in the middle of a competition and ripped your spandex off or something? <laughs> you know, like it was funny. Oh man, that's that's a mess, dude. I I I never crossed that line, dude. Even now, even when I'm riding the road bike, dude, I'm wearing mountain bike clothes. When I was younger, like in the '90s, when I was riding mountain bike, it was like I would wear the spandex shorts, but then I would wear like umbros over them because I was like, dude, I'm just oh, not gotcha. doing. I'm just not doing this, man. I'm not. Yeah. That's not, yeah. It didn't, it didn't click for me. I was like, this just looks stupid. I can't do it. I've so. kind of always been like the guy who like tries to wear the appropriate gear for the job. And it's probably like super dorky, but like if I go for a road ride, yeah, I'll, I'll put on the spandex. I will. Yeah. And I'll like, and I'll be like upset if my helmet has a visor and stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm road riding. I'm supposed to be in road gear. That's so, funny. but now my X factor is now I ride a gravel bike. Yeah, so, so you can get I away with it. I justify that in my head because now I could wear baggy shorts because I'm on a gravel bike. <laughs> but if I went on like a real road ride, I probably still wouldn't put on spandex. Yeah, I couldn't do and it. And then like if I'm at the mountain bike park, I put on the full face helmet and flat pedals because that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and yeah. if I go trail riding, I put on my SPDs and, and trail shorts so, and whatever. So that's that's interesting. So you switch between like you're not you're not strictly flat, strictly SPDs, huh? You know, I was always like, I mean, I rode trials and you and and dirt jumping and all and urban free ride and everything. So obviously you're going to do that in flat pedal. So I was always like mm -hmm. really 
really capable of riding in flat pedals. I, I can ride flat pedals mm -hmm. in any circumstance. <clears throat> but then like wanting to be like to do the, you know, where, where the right equipment for the job guy, I would always like <laughs> trail ride in SPDs because that's like what you're supposed to do. And, yeah. and when I started trail riding, the, the thing that's made flat pedals such a big phenomenon nowadays is the dropper post. Yeah. If you were, if you were trail riding 10 years ago, prior to dropper post, nobody was riding flat pedals because you can't ride flat pedals. If your seat post is high, like you that can't, makes sense. That totally the, whole makes sense. You, the whole reason you ride flat pedals is because your seats out of the way and you have all that leg movement to keep your feet on the pedals. Yeah. And the so, shoes are better. Right. But the <laughs> biggest thing, the biggest thing is like, yeah, you know, proper posts like coming into, yeah, no, a hundred percent agree with you. I, I wouldn't have uh, thought about it at, that on my own until you just said that, but no, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So like I rode trials and I, we, my friends and I would always say like, man, wouldn't it be awesome to like ride trials and clips? Cause you could, you're like Superman. But mm -hmm. the reason you wouldn't do it in trials is because trials is like golf. Like in, when you do a trials competition, everybody's so good that it's really just a matter of like, putting your foot down one time could cost you the whole competition because everybody's mm -hmm. super dialed and like the organizers would always be aware of what the people's riding ability was. So they just try to make things just out of reach of, uh -huh. because you know, you compete all the time. They know who they know what everybody's capable of. Right. Um, so if you're riding a course say it's, and, and you like lose your balance for a second and you just put your foot down, that's one point. If you were to fall over and like, you know, even if it's, you don't like wipe out, but you just like touch your hip to the ground or your knee or your mm -hmm. elbow or whatever, that's five points. Oh, so man. it's not worth the risk of like clipping in because, you know, if you, if you put your foot down it's one point and, and if you get a five, that literally like your competition yeah, over, like it's, it's always that close. So, so we would rather, we would always rather put a foot down if anything. Right. So we would always joke like, man, wouldn't it be awesome to do trials and, and clips. And there was a Canadian guy. I can't remember his name that would do it. And it was like, it's, it's awesome. Like you said, it's totally connected to you. You can do like the craziest stuff, but uh -huh. just the risk is too high. So when I started trail riding, I would always ride clipped in just because, you know, it's more efficient, whatever. And I had the fundamentals of riding flats. So I didn't yeah. have any bad habits. So I just, I would always just ride it. And then as bikes, you know, as I got more into it, um, my motivation for riding clips a lot of times are twofold. First mm -hmm. thing is, definitely makes technical climbing a little bit easier for sure. Like I'm not going to deny that I, I could do like if I, any of the videos I've ever posted of doing a technical climb, I 100% could do on flats, but it's easier in, in clips yeah, because I've ridden cool. trials my whole life. Yeah. Is you it, get like the upstroke and yeah, yeah. and everything. Yeah. But that's the only the thing second, I missed. Yeah. And then the second thing is um, for me, have you ever, have you ever ridden a downhill that you know that you can do a hundred percent and just like the difference of keeping a finger on the brake lever and riding death grip mentally is like so much more challenging for you. Oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, like I, there's a few downhills around my house. Like I know I could ride it with my fingers on the brake levers and I don't need to use the brakes, but when you go death grip, it's just, it's just an extra commitment in your head and it makes the same trail as not, not harder, but it just makes it seem more difficult. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing like for when i'm clipped in if i'm gonna ride like a log skinny or uh even like a technical roll down mm -hmm. for me that's harder clipped in so i feel like sometimes like i just like it because it makes the same same trail 
more difficult, but not necessarily more dangerous. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. 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 I, I can see what so, you're saying. Yeah. Like if it was, if, me, it's a, if it's a suspended log, say over a, uh, a ditch or something mm-hmm. and it's only like four feet, something where you're not going to like die, you know? Right. I do that clipped in mentally. It's way more difficult for me than if I if I'm on flats. Like if I'm on flats, I'll do anything because yeah, you, just, you can just toss it. I've ridden trials my whole life. I just know how to ditch the bike. Yeah, 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 in, totally. Like, actually, you could see um, two videos ago on my YouTube channel. I had a nasty spill, and it was because I was clipped in. Like I, I went to get up on a rock, and then I watched like, that. Your buddy like grabbed your head right before yeah, you. Yeah, I went to get up a rock, and then when I went to take the second hop, which should have propelled me onto it i was mm-hmm. a little sideways and like all this technical riding is like a, a game of millimeters yeah. i was just a side slope just enough that i lost my traction and then when i tipped over it pinched my foot against a rock and i couldn't unclip so i just fell down and luckily yeah. my friend drew totally caught my head yeah 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 no, that was a good buddy there <laughs> yeah i used but to ride bmx on- bmx when i was a kid so yeah a lot of lot of uh flats there and even when I got into mountain biking, like I would BMX all week with my buddies, like street riding, doing stupid shit. And then on the weekends I'd go ride with these guys that were like, you know, in their forties. So, and so they would all wear, you know, that's back when there was toe clips. So I always used toe clips with when I was mountain biking. So for me, it was just like, I never even thought about riding a mountain bike with flat pedals. And then whenever I got back into mountain biking, um, the dude at the shop was like, Oh, we don't use toe clips anymore. We use these things. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. And honestly, the only reason I tried flats was just because everybody was like talking about it and talking about it. And I felt like some of my skill set that I had from riding flats and BMX back in the day was gone because like I learned all these new ways to be lazy about things because of the, the clips, you know, like, or also full suspension, like, oh, compress the suspension, just jump straight up, the clips take it with you, and you're good. You know, it's like, yeah, I don't need a bunny hop anymore. You know, and like, just so like, it was, uh, it was everybody talking about flats, and then, you know, that same thing. And honestly, you know, now that I've been riding the, the, the flats for, shoot, it's been a year and a half, maybe two years now. I've been curious to go do a video and put my SPDs. I, I still use SPDs like on the road bike or the gravel bike. Yeah. So, I mean, the muscle memory is there as far as like getting on and off. But um, I don't know, man. I don't, I, I would say this right now. The thing that I like the most about flats, that's probably the thing that would keep me from trying or like going back to SPDs is just how easy it is to get started when you're in like the middle of some chunky section. Yeah. You know, it's like so many times on the, on the clips, it's like, you'd get your foot in halfway or you were standing in mud. So it wouldn't get back in and you're like riding in the middle of your heel and it's like no grip on the pedal. And you're like, Oh fuck, I'm going over these like big rocks. And you know, it's just like, it's a shit show. Totally. totally. Yeah. I, I, so I, so yeah, I, I think I avoided your question this year. I started riding, uh, flats at the bike park all the time. Uh-huh. which I did in the past. And I, I don't even know what I was doing. Like up until last year, I remember going to Highland mountain bike park for the, for the cliff slope style event. And up until then I was always riding bike park in an open face helmet and SPDs. Uh-huh. And that's so friggin' dangerous. And yeah. I, I just always like figured it was like just cross country downhill that you just don't have to pedal anymore. 
And then right. I went to I went to Highland and I'm standing in the line and I'm like looking around and I'm like, every single one of these kids has on a full face and flats. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm such a boomer right now. Yeah. And I was like, I need to put flats on and and a and get a freaking proper helmet because I'm yeah. gonna kill myself. Yeah. And uh, so I finished out last season putting flats back on my bike and I've and this year I've just been riding flats at the bike park. And you definitely do like. I don't, I don't know why, like if I got, if I get on my BMX, but, or not my BMX bike, my pump track dirt jump bike, or if I get uh-huh. on my trials bike, I would never accidentally like do like a, a, a person who, you know, like a bad habit, like where you like lift your foot off the pedal or whatever. Like if I'm on those bikes, it's just so ingrained how to just ride it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really ever knock on wood. I never screw up, but, but I was like on my trail bike a little bit, like sometimes I'd be like climbing and I'd lift my foot off the pedal or something, you know, yeah. like I, I was used to riding SPDs, Yeah. but I've been, I've been riding flats at the bike park now all year. And like, I, I, I can go for a cross country ride now on flats and it's not like, it's not really a pain in the ass. Whereas like if in yeah. January, if I put on flats, I'd be like, Oh, it's terrible. I hate riding trails. When um, I first, when I first went to flats, dude, like I distinctively remember the first jump that I, I hit and it wasn't even a jump. Like, let's just say like, roll off a of like six inch rock you know what i mean but you would normally like maybe just catch a little air off of it you know yeah and and the first time i did that my feet came right off the pedal dude just smashed my nuts all over the top tube of the bike and i was like this is exactly why i need to ride flats because like i completely completely forgot what i was doing you know what i mean and and since then like my cornering's gotten so much better because i'm actually paying attention to like driving my heels down and like, you know, just different things that I I can't stress it enough, man. I would have, I've talked so many friends of mine in the past out of their flat pedals into clips. And now I look back and I'm like, man, I was really doing them a disservice. You know, I really, I riding, riding with flat pedals is definitely the best way to learn the fundamentals. Yeah. And I really, I can't think in my head of anything that the, the better form is with SPDs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything from like dropping your heels and all that stuff. Like I've had friends that, uh, learned on SPDs and then to unlearn that stuff. Yeah. It's really, really difficult. Yeah. But it, but it's definitely worthwhile because I've watched them get significantly better just by putting on the flat pedals and then not, not even for the purpose of becoming an awesome flat pedal rider, just yeah. to learn the proper body positioning and stuff like that. So that yeah. when you do ride SPDs or clips, whatever, the, that you're just doing it in the proper way. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I think the only thing that I miss about SPDs is like when your legs are just dusted and you can start really using that upstroke because you're like, Oh, that part of my leg's not dead. So I can start pulling up here and you know, you like, have a little extra juice for that, those, that, that last climb that your buddy like mountain eased you into, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. So that, I think, you know, the other thing that helps with that though, that why I don't miss it as much is probably the oval chain ring. Cause it really like, to me, I, it just makes the whole pedal stroke like completely, completely like predictable. Like it's like exactly the same the whole way through the pedal stroke. Yeah. So I think I've never, that prob- I've never ridden though. So what's, what's your opinion? You like it? I really like it. And the other thing that I like it for as well is that I feel like I can up my chain ring size and 
it doesn't hurt me as much on the climb because right. I don't know about you, but me personally, I really like to have a really big front chain ring because when I'm going downhill, it's not like I want to like, I'm some badass and I'm pedaling, you know, in the 10 on the back and this, I ride a 34 right now. Yeah. But for me, I want to like do as little like work to get to speed again, you know? So yeah. I want that 34 to be able to do like, come around that corner. I knew I scrubbed some speed, do two cranks and, and I'm like back to where I wanted to be instead yeah. of like four or five, you, you know, or whatever it is like, cause you're kind of yeah. spinning out. So I'm always trying to like get bigger on the front chain ring, but still keep it at a spot where if I'm riding up an elevation that I'm not just walking my bike all day because I can't pedal it. You know? Yeah. So I, I travel a lot for, for bike riding, not so much right now, but yeah. normally, normally I do. And until the 11 speed and 12, three, 12 speed drive trains came out, that was always weird for me because on the East coast we could run, you know, I, I could run like a 32 tooth chain ring in the front and it never really bothered me except when I'd go to California or Colorado. And then you do have fast fire road downhills or high speed yeah. downhills, but we don't really have that around here a ton. Like the oh. average, if you look at my Strava profile, like the average mile per hour of a ride isn't super high because we're, you and I are probably climbing at the same speed to get to the top of the mountain, but then your yeah. downhill is way faster than mine because we yeah. ours are zigzaggy through trees, whatever. So oh, the, yeah, that makes sense. The gear disparity never really was that big of a deal. Yeah, so no, that totally why, makes sense. I never thought about that. But yeah, now now with like <clears throat> Shimano 12 speed, I do run a 34 in the front. And when mm -hmm. I go out to California, I'm not like spinning out of my gear the second yeah, I go down yeah. the hill because you actually do have those top end things. Yeah. I never really, I never really knew that was like such a big issue except for when I'd go ride trails out, you know, out where the average pace is much faster, uh -huh. you know, cause we both have the same steepness of climb. I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, I'm sure your downhill is a lot faster than mine. And ours are probably a little longer too. So you're like, yeah, really, yeah, you're, you're like working up to a higher speed. And cause I know whenever, um, whenever, uh, Gene, regular guy, mountain biker, mountain biking, whatever he came out and, like I took him up to Tahoe and we, we went down um, like Armstrong connector and corral and it was like yeah. nine miles, you know, he's like, I've never ridden nine miles of downhill before, like ever in my life. You know? Yeah. I think you guys rode that after I rode that. Yeah. I think you were there like two weeks before I didn't know you were in town. And when I rode that, that was like probably one of my top five best rides I've ever done. It was, it was like September, I think. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, well, I'm sure it's probably common for you. You had snow, which I was surprised from, from the East coast. I'm like, holy crap, it snowed in September. Yeah. We had a whole bunch of snow and then it melted. So all those trails were like perfect. Just dialed. Yeah. And then it was like perfect bluebird sky, you know, the day after a snowstorm, perfect trails. That, that was probably one of my top five best mountain bike rides of all time. Really? Yeah. It was. That's a really fun trail. You know, I forget about that a lot because it's like. I don't know. It's just like a little bit more effort for me to get to South Lake. So for whatever reason, I, I don't go down there very often. I'm every time I've ridden that trail, it's been really fun. It's got like the right amount of like fun rock roll techie stuff and speed. And you finish it up with all, like the, the bike park kind of like tabletops and stuff at the end. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good one. 
I love trails like that where they're like, you can make it gnarly if you want by going a thousand miles per hour. But if you want to just cruise it and take it easy, like that trail is not inherently super hard. No, you can make no. it, you can make it super dangerous if you're going yeah, really yeah. fast. But if you just want to cruise, it's it's like a good trail. Like that, that kind of trail is, I love that kind of stuff. And that trail has a bunch of like, I think Tahoe in general is like this, like just because there's like these big granite rocks here and there, you know, like, there's always these little bee lines that you're like, Oh, I could go over that. Or, Oh, I could roll up that and pop off of that. Or, you know, so yeah, it always, always makes it fun too. So what else you've been up to, man? So let's see. I went to the Sedona fat tire festival, saw you there and then the world shut down. So, uh, it was, it was honestly the longest that I've been home in over 20 years. You know, yeah. I've basically spent, spent the last 20, two, 23 years traveling a couple hundred days a year or something like that, at least. Yeah. Um, and then now it's just like gridlock, but it's been, it's been good. You know, it's, it's good to get some downtime. I, I did a lot more how to content for my channel and stuff like mm -hmm. that, which was super rewarding because <clears throat> most of the time I'm trying to like juggle being a YouTuber, being a pro rider, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. And it's like, getting pulled in so many different directions so it's like my my channel is like add like it's like <laughs> like normally it's like here's a here's a how to here's a trail in tahoe here's a bike check here's a trail in new jersey like it's just all over the place and no yeah. rhyme or reason so like in april april and may I, was, I got to do like a bunch of how to content and stuff like that and it was awesome you know you get a lot of thoughtful comments from people saying that was super helpful and everything Mm -hmm. So that, that was pretty sweet. Have you seen um, like your, has your channel like done a lot better since all this? Like you feel like your content's getting better or you think it's just people watching more uh, YouTube because they're, mean, it, they're it, home. It probably grew 25% in that, that time span or something. Oh, like wow. That. So so that was, big that was good. Yeah, definitely, definitely grew a bunch. And then, um, I, I probably, yeah, I probably learned a bunch about editing again because it's not like, complete rush jobs all the time. Um, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy editing. I just don't always have the time to do it. Yeah. So when I like when I see how much time like the top guys put into it. Yeah. Like, you know, you'll, you'll sit there and be like, man, I wish I could get all those views. And then they're like, yeah, I spent 80 hours editing that. I'm like, right. shit. like, <laughs> <laughs> I put like four on the couch. I guess I should be happy with, with right. my fraction of reviews. <laughs> like, um, your channel's doing like, good though, man. I mean, you got like 50k subscribers, dude. So yeah, I'm I'm super super happy. It's I have yeah. a very very uh, core audience, uh -huh. you know. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm super happy. Um, know, so yeah, I think I think I kind of picked up some. I got a little bit better at editing, like yeah. having. Having I was watching one of your edits like the other day, man. I was like, I was pretty impressed with it, dude. Like you had all like a little splash screen that came up with some like information. And it was like, I was like, Oh wow, dude, Jeff's like up this game a minute. So, but the disappointing thing was I made a video in the middle of quarantine because I was like going stir crazy. Uh -huh. And I made a video, how to manual using the ultimate manual machine. Did uh -huh. you watch that video? No, I haven't seen that one. I thought like I was going to like combine everything and like strike YouTube gold because oh, yeah, manual machines are super hot, right? Like right. I figure you make a video 
about manually using a manual machine. Like that's, that's going to be super popular. Right. Um, basically if you, if you, if you are building on a YouTube channel now, your yeah. views are going to go through the roof. Right. Which, like building trails, <laughs> right. Building trails, building any, like if you yeah. just build something, like if you don't ride your bike and just build your views are going to go through the roof. There so I was go. like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make a video about building the ultimate manual machine. So there I like, go. it was the first video I told uh, Bobo that's the first video I ever storyboarded. Uh-huh. You know, he's talking about storyboarding. I'm like, yeah, yeah. storyboard videos? Right. <laughs> I'm like, I just go out and ride and then I'm like, shit, I forgot to get these three shots. And then I right. like go back and get them. And then I, then I'm like, oh shit, I need two more shots. And I go and like put on the same outfit for the third day in a row and go right. get it. <laughs> I'm like you actually plan this stuff and i'm like that's why yeah. you're so good at it right um, that's exactly why my channel hasn't grown for shit because i would do the same thing i just go ride <laughs> and i'd get home and i'd be like oh fuck i guess i gotta make a story out of that <laughs> dude i'll literally i'll literally ride in the same outfit three days in a row or four days in a row to finish a video like right right yeah no, like, i've definitely done that it doesn't smell too bad i can right. pass this off and in reality probably nobody would ever even notice if i wasn't wearing the same shirt anyway like, right right yeah so I made this whole video like where I storyboarded and everything. And the premise was that I, I, and I made the, an awesome, like I made an awesome drawing too. Like I haven't drawn, I can't remember the last time I drew and I was like busted out of a paper and made like a sketch, like three dimensional drawing and yeah. nailed that. So the premise was that I was going to start drawing a manual machine uh -huh. and say, today I'm going to teach you how to build the ultimate manual machine and right. hook them in thinking like that I'm going to build something. And then right. like, as I draw the sketch, I'm going to, I'm going to start making a sketch and tell you like what every component of a manual machine does to teach you to manual. Uh -huh. Right. So like I'd start with the base and then like, here's why I need a base. Cause then you do this and you need like the back bar and you need the side feet and you need the thing yeah, to yeah. keep you from looping out and like describe all the components to a manual machine that, that help you do it. But as I was drawing it, I kept cutting to shots of me like doing it in a parking lot. Uh-huh. And like saying like, you know, you need a chain to keep your front front end down so you don't loop out. Right. Kind of like when you when you're doing a real manual and you just use your brake to keep your front end from going too yeah, high. Yeah. And then like basically I go through and I explain how to do a manual. And then I made this awesome drawing. I just crumple it up and throw it in the garbage can. And I'm like, well, the best manual machine is just doing it. Right. Oh, no, okay. Yeah, okay, that's cool. And I was like, this is gonna be gold and like Yeah, yeah. It got views, but it wasn't like Dude, every time I think I figured out the algorithm, man, it just shits on me. But anyway, I, that if, if anybody's watching and they want to watch what I think is my best production, uh -huh, not, that's the one. not best riding, not but best yeah, yeah. production. Like I, I was like super happy with that one. I'm gonna have to check it out. I have to, yeah. I'll have to check it, check it out for sure. That was my, like, I, I just recently did a video about how to originally it was like how to be a YouTube, like how to do YouTube, like how to oh, start a channel. That, that was good. Yeah. And then I ended up changing the like thumbnail to be like how to utterly fail at, at YouTube because it just like was, cause I was thinking like, man, everybody, like you go on, you search YouTube and it's like how to start a channel, 10 million views, how to, you know, how to make money on YouTube, 10 million views. I was like, Dude, right, right. I'm going to tap into that. And then, you know, I'm going to like make it like, sarcastic and funny. So like, they're going to, you know, start out watching it and then they're going to think it's, it's funny and they'll stay for that. Yeah. Right. 
most people didn't even want to watch it because they were like, oh, I watch mountain biking. This isn't going to be something I really care to see. So then really? it was I, like, I watched that video and I thought for sure that that was going to like kill it. Oh, for man. It, it, I it, thought it, that was going to be the one that made me YouTube famous, man. I was like, and I spent a shit ton of time on that. Once again, I did not storyboard though. I <laughs> I just had a, I just had an idea of what I wanted to do. So I like we you know we took a bunch of shots and stuff like that. So, but um, yeah, yeah. Every I'm, it's interesting, you know. And then there's other videos that you do, and you're like, yeah, this was nice. I'm happy about it, you know. And then it does really well, and you're like, oh shit. So I can't seem to find that. I can't seem to find a rhyme or reason, but I don't really like I. I I know that if I wanted to try to grow my channel more, I could, but I just don't want to do like, yeah. I'm, I'm a victim to my own devices or whatever. You're, you're, I, you're like, in the same boat as me, dude. It's like, like, I know like, I shouldn't be cussing. I know I shouldn't be like doing all the beer stuff and it's, but it's like, dude, that's who I am, man. Like, so I, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I want the other subscribers, you know? <laughs> right. Right. I I'm like super happy with, with my channel, all my followers. I, you know, they're, they're awesome. Yeah. All the comments are always like super thoughtful on point. It's not yeah. a lot of garbage. Right. It's a, it's a good core audience. If I go to a mountain bike festival and I ask for people to come ride, I always get a good turnout. And for yeah. me, that's what's important. Like I just want to build a community of people who are like, into mountain biking and i just make videos that i like and yeah yeah you know i could build shit or whatever and and have yeah. more views but then like i feel like it's intoxicating because you could go that route and your channel explodes but then you pigeon yourself into a builder channel and i don't want to be a builder yeah. channel i want to be a mountain bike channel yeah and, well, part of the reason i started my channel is because i wanted to like showcase the people that i ride with because I didn't feel like they were being dude, shown on YouTube. You know what like, I mean? Dude, that I that is the number one thing for, for me too. Like, I don't know if how many people watching this watch my channel, or whatever. But like, I just put my friends in my videos. Yeah, whoever whoever I want to ride with. If it's Tim or Bob or Steve, like I don't care if they have a YouTube channel. I don't care if they're a pro. They're just my buddies, and I ride yeah. with them. There's like there's well, no thought of like collaborating or yeah. anything like. I just ride with my friends and that's it. Well, I think what I was saying though, too, is like all my friends, like we talk shit and we like drink beers when we're done and like maybe sit around and, and session on this thing. Or sometimes we turn around halfway through the ride and say, screw it and just go back to the truck and have beers. Like, like that was like, that's part of the reason that I like mountain biking is that camaraderie and that like fun part of like your group of buddies. And I did like I was watching videos and I wasn't necessarily seeing that, like that vibe being shown, you know? And it was like, yeah, yeah. Where's the, cause all the people that I've ever ridden with are like that, you know what I mean? Like, so it was for me, I was like, where this is not, this is not accurate, you know? Yeah. So, so. I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> Have you seen anything funny on Instagram lately? On Instagram, uh, well, I, I posted a good video of me flipping over the handlebars the other day. That was no, a, a pretty good one. Stole my thunder, dude. That's <laughs> did where you I see was that? <laughs> yes, uh, I did. Did. So you decide you're going to just, so people that haven't seen his Instagram, there's like this little hill and a fence on top of it. And apparently, I guess that's like the, the parking lots on the other side of the fence. Yeah, so that's at Mountain Creek Bike Park. 
and there's a there's a fence that's uh yeah right so you like if you come from the park you're supposed to like the legal way is to go through the village and whatever uh-huh. but the shortcut way that a handful of people take is to cross the highway and the fence has like a little break in it uh-huh. and we come and we cross right over there so it's it's like illegal you're not supposed to cross the highway over there but like that's uh-huh. just what we do because it's so is there like a little booter there or you guys are just using the hill to get there yeah so there's like a little booter on the side of the hill uh-huh. and i always would ride past that and i was like this is so perfect like you could totally like you could totally jump this fence that reminds so, me of like the stuff that we did as a kid that's like that's what we were doing all day is jumps like that you know what i mean to- yeah totally yeah yeah and then I hadn't seen anybody at the park do it. So I was like, I got to do that. Cause this is like right up my alley. Like I love doing kickers and whatever. Uh-huh. So I think that was Friday. Maybe we got done riding and we're on our way to the van to like go have some beers or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to do this kicker real quick. Uh-huh. And then my friends were like, don't do it now. There's too much traffic and whatever. I'm like, I'll just wait till there's a, a gap and I'll just like go across. No big deal. Spend it, man. So th- <laughs> the first time, the first time I was like, you know, a little, a little nervous because like it looked easy but i the main reason i was worried about it is because i was on on my trail bike and i have 160 millimeter travel on the front and 150 in the back and i was telling one of my friends on a hardtail if you do a kicker like that like when you do a kicker and a kicker if you're watching you don't know what a kicker is like a kicker is a ramp but like more of like a really steep kind of takeoff that's not big enough to fit your whole wheelbase or whatever so mm-hmm. When you do a kicker, like you have to like smash your front tire into it and then hit your back tire and then it sends your, your energy upward and allows right. you to go pretty high. On a hardtail, like I would clear that fence by, by like 10 feet, but on a suspension bike, I just wasn't <laughs> sure how much loft I'd get because like suspension sucks up everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first time <laughs> I went pretty fast because I was like a little nervous and I just wanted to go too fast. And I, I hit my front tire on the fence and my back tire. I went over and I cleared it fine, but I, I front tire bonked and back tire bonked and, but made it over. So then I was like, all right, I got to go a little bit slower. And then that was one of my Instagram video where I just went too slow, hung up my back tire and just ate shit super hard. (laughs) And then the, and then the, the making the, the Instagram video is the third try where I then went too fast, went too slow third time i went just the right speed are you one of those guys that goes back and does it again right away or you're like i'm i did it i'm good um well i screwed it up the first time i had my front tire and my back tire then i cased my back tire and my friend was like that's good enough don't do it again and i was like i'm 49 years old if i don't do this right now this is gonna <laughs> hurt tomorrow so i'm just gonna go do it right now so then i got up and I, I just did it right away but it's i mean it's illegal and shit like that so i probably won't yeah. like do it every single time but uh i i did get up and did it right then before like the pain set in i got a sore <laughs> next day a little bit because i oh, i'm sure man your shoulder had all grass stuffed in my helmet and stuff like that yeah yeah i was watching you hit the ground i was like man i'm sure the your big, shoulder big feels man good. To hit the ground yeah. right yeah it's definitely um definitely i don't know man i i i, I would assume that when you're lighter it doesn't feel as bad when you hit the ground <laughs> anytime, anytime I crash, it totally puts it in perspective of like, imagine being a, a NFL player. Yeah. And like when you take a crash, if I take a crash, I'm like complaining about it for the next week. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then sure. I'm like, that's like Tom Brady getting one sack and he right. gets sacked like 20 times a game. Right. 16 weeks a year. I'm like, I don't understand how they do it. Like <sighs> right. crazy. 
Yeah, even with all the pads, I mean, they're they're getting hit oh, by like yeah. a car, man. You know, <laughs> like, oh, dude, imagine like imagine eleven guys that are as big as you just wanting to take your head off. <laughs> <laughs> dude, oh, Lord. are you are you a football fan? I'm a pretty big football fan. Yeah, dude, I'm like stressing. What do you, you think? You think the NFL season is going to happen this year? Um, I think it'll happen, but I, I don't think there's going to be a, well, I, not even, I think there, there's not going to be fans in the stands. Yeah. Yeah. I don't there's been there's enough cities fans. that have already announced that they're not going to like, so I live in New, New Jersey. We have New York Giants season tickets mm-hmm. and they haven't come out and announced it yet, but Philadelphia already has, you know, other cities have announced like no, no lives, um, yeah. fans or whatever. And I don't even think I'd really want to, not that I'm like a big COVID uh, you don't have all. I'm the not super. Free, I'm not super freaking out about it. But yeah, yeah, I got you. Don't really need to go to a football game right now. Right, either. right. Like, yeah, I don't need to go hang out with thirty thousand people. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, so probably yeah. will not be watching. Yeah, I'll be but stoked, I think man. it's going to be. As long as I it's mean, on I think TV. it's going to be interesting. Oh, what were you say? As long as it's on TV, man. You know, otherwise, what do you do for every Sunday from like August to like? january dude you're gonna have to come up with something else to do it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with um with the audiences at pro sports because i was just watching a thing about the nba i you know i really like watching basketball as well Uh and they have that new court put in in orlando with the bubble and whatever and they're talking about like all this crazy television coverage that they're gonna have 20 cameras cameras that follow you down the side like the, how the sideline cameras follow you at football games stuff like that uh-huh. they're gonna have that at basketball games whatever i wonder if like the product gets that good and i mean i don't know about you like i like going to new york giants football games but it is a time suck you know like, yeah i i usually don't make it to all eight there's been a couple years in, in the past few years where i've been injured and i do make it to all the games and then there's when yeah, i'm not I injured like, like when you, i can't make it I but, feel like I have a better watching experience watching the game at home. Like usually when I go I, to a game, it's like it's more about like drinking a bunch of beer with your buddies. Yeah, and so like, that's exactly what I was gonna say. You, know? like, you you go to the game, it's a time suck, but usually you end up going. I yeah. don't know about you. I don't think you would, but I do. I get hammered. Oh I don't yeah, think you no, do I that. definitely wouldn't. No, <laughs> you definitely don't do that. Never. And then like you go to the game, you go to the game, and you're like. What happened? I missed that play. Did, Rob, did you see what happened? No, and you're like, you know, I don't know. At like, that I missed chick it. Over there. And if you're at home, you just sit on your computer, you rewind it on the remote control. Right. And I feel like this year the product's going to get even better. Yeah. There'll be more cameras, whatever. So I wonder, like, next year people will just be like, you know what? I made it through a whole season. My life didn't end not going to a football game. Like, I wonder how that's going to affect season tickets and whatever. I don't know. But, I don't think it'll affect it, honestly, dude. Because honestly, like to me, it would be like, like I'm not a person. I don't have a season tickets, you know. So it's like I, I'll cherry pick one or two games of the year that it's like, hey, my team's playing my buddy's team, you know. Or it's going to be like I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so it's like, hey, I'm going to drive down to or fly down to Texas and see a game, or like we're going to go watch the my my lady likes the Niners, so it'd be like sometimes they would play the Niners, so we'd be go see see them play and stuff like that. So I don't know. What do you think is going to happen to Dak Prescott? I think he's going to sign them. He's going to get the money he wants. And, dude, you really think the Cowboys are going to get rid of that guy? I'd be pretty surprised. Right? <laughs> 
that that would I I feel like it's just it's just the way they like negotiate and whatnot. So, anyways, let's get back to mountain biking, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's that USA jacket you got hanging up behind you? Um, that is from. 2001 i was on the world's team for the trial for u.s trials right on man and then that uh yeah that's my national championship jersey what do you think out of all these like accomplishments that you've had in your professional career like what's the one that like means the most to you um probably i don't know maybe like that video award because um that was like during kind of like during the heyday when when mountain bike videos were real big um as far as like you know putting out a dvd segment and stuff like Uh that and uh you know my really good friend aaron chase was always like super popular with mountain bike free ride and stuff like that and and with that um new world disorder or this chain reaction segment um i just happened to find a whole bunch of like banger moves like uh-huh. over the course of a year and, and it just came together in a good video part so yeah probably probably that one for sure you miss doing videos where like where you have like a production crew following you around doing that kind of stuff like would you like to do one of those like yeah, yeah i mean that was that was it was pretty sweet you know there's there's yeah. pros and cons like i have a lot of friends now that like have only ever known it as far as like doing youtube and stuff like that yeah and then you sound like a boomer talking about how it was back in the day you know it was was totally different like you know back in those days there was a gatekeeper so there was you know whoever is making the dvd is the person who's saying who could be in the dvd and is basically dictating to bike shops and riders all over around the world who gets to see who you know so if you were lucky enough to get in it was a big deal it wasn't like it wasn't like youtube nowadays like you didn't have to compete. You just had to, you had to produce, but you didn't have to compete, mm-hmm. especially as like an urban free ride guy. Cause there wasn't a lot of people. Right. So <clears throat> if it was like these chain reaction videos, those were, those were definitely more like urban riding influence, but say the new world disorder series mm-hmm. where it was like cam zinc and cam McCall and Kyle straight and all those guys. Like I was always the urban free ride guy mm-hmm. and like, that was it. Like you didn't have to, compete against other urban free ride guys on the internet, but there probably wasn't anybody to compete against against anyway. Cause it was right. like when all that shit was invented, it was like right. Ryan Leach was in one series and I was in the other series. Um, was he like, your so like, the, like your, your, your arch nemesis back in the day. No, was we were, the- we were, we were best friends and we would, we would always uh, do things together. Like we toured and did the Vans warp tour for three years together. Oh, right on. Yeah. So that was awesome. Like in, in 99 and, uh, 98 and or 99 and 2000. And then I did half the tour in 2001. Like we toured around and would do mountain bike trials demos at the Vans warp tour, mm-hmm. which was awesome because like in, in 99 and 2000 and 2001, like to the average skateboarder or BMX or like mountain biking was a dork sport. Like it wasn't yeah, yeah. like nowadays BMXers and stuff. 1000% give, all the respect in the world to slope style guys. Yeah. And yeah. Downhill sure. guys like, for sure. But back then it was like a bunch of goofballs and Lycra. Yeah. You know, you think we're racing think, cross country. You think BMX is dead, dude? No, I think BMX is really, I think BMX is really strong as a sport, but the, 
but the product is just a race to the bottom as far as yeah. like trying to undercut pricing. So there's yeah. no margin for anybody to make any, but any money at all. And everybody's so accustomed to paying so little for BMX bikes that there's just no money in the sport. Yeah. But I don't think, I think participation is very high. It is. It you just think? Sucks. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, in, in cities and stuff like that, if you go to LA, New York, uh-huh. whatever, there's, there's lots of BMXers. And if really? you look at BMX forums and YouTube, there's, there's a lot of BMXers, but everybody's accustomed to buying a complete BMX bike for like 800 bucks. So like, yeah. Yeah. there's just no money. So you, there's a few brands that do tons of volume and, and there's no money left to sponsor riders and there's no money left to like, you know, even run a company. So yeah. I think the make, sport, how's and it the problem you, with BMX is, I think that skateboarding is, uh, skate. It's just my hypothesis or whatever. Like skateboarding is cheaper. Uh, you'll end up spending as much money or you'll probably end up spending more money on a, a skateboarding over the course of a year, but it's all smaller doses. So it's like yeah. death by a thousand cuts. Like if you're really, really into skateboarding, you're mm-hmm. going through a pair of sneakers a month. Easy. Yeah. And you're going through a couple decks, like you're going yeah. through a couple decks a month, but it's 50 bucks a pop, 50 bucks pop, 50 bucks pop. Whereas like yeah. a kid will save up, buy an $800 BMX bike and they're set for the year. Yeah. So the brands are, you know, skateboard, skateboarding is pretty strong because you're always selling lots of sneakers. If you're a skate shop, you're constantly getting kids in there all the time. Yeah, you're buying yeah, new, new sneakers all right, you know, new, once new a month. Decks, you're buying this, a couple yeah. decks a month, whatever. They need wheels all the time. It's only 50 bucks, yeah. but it's constant, you know? And it's yeah. easy for kids to like get their allowance, buy a board, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But with a BMX bike, it's like, I want a bike. It's a grand and I'm done for the year. Yeah. You're not going through, you're not going, you know, it's, there's no pads. There's no helmets, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going through sneakers. So it's like you get it and you're done. So I think yeah. that's probably why skateboarding is a little bit stronger. I was talking to somebody the other day and we were kind of thinking maybe, you know, mountain biking has something to do with BMX not being as popular there too, because it's really, um, it's definitely a lot more popular than it was, you know, when I first started. I mean, when I, when I started mountain biking, I was in high school still. I don't, I don't think there was anybody else in my whole school that rode mountain bikes like I did. You know what I mean? Like they had like a mountain bike, right. But like they rode around town in it, you know, around their neighborhood. It's like nobody, it was very, very few people. And like now, like, like my friend that I was telling you that we were helping her, her get into mountain biking, like her kids, her son's like 12, 13, 12 years old. I think he just got a mountain bike for his birthday. Like he's going out and riding like the trails that I ride, you know, it's like definitely, you know, shoot, even like, six, seven years ago, it wasn't like that, you know? Yeah. Whereas like, um, when I was that age, like that was BMX, like everybody, we all had BMX and that's what we did. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like go back to the school and jump down the stairs or try to, you know what I mean? Like, like try to jump over that fence or, you know? Yeah, totally. There, there was that one lady you could go through her yard and through her flower patch and jump off the wall that was right next to it. You know, it was like, she'd yeah, come and yeah. chase you. And that's what you did every day. And they just got more and more pissed at you. you know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely mountain bike has a much higher buy-in and barrier to entry for sure. Yeah. Um, 
you know, if you're into BMX, you could just do it in your city or your town. Yeah. You don't need your parents to drive you around, whatever. Yeah. But I have noticed it's definitely, there's so many more younger kids getting into mountain biking now. It's awesome. Yeah. And like local BMX or local dirt jump spots popping up by mountain bikers, not just BMXers anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's definitely an expensive proposition. You know, like I was at Highland mountain bike park a couple weeks ago and there's just like so many groms and they're yeah. so good, yeah. but somebody had to buy him a $5,000 bike and somebody had to get him to the mountain every day and get him a season yeah. pass or whatever. But I definitely see a lot more kids. So I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's pulling away from BMX a little bit, but it is rad to see like mountain biking be like, a, a well, have, like whatever kind of like, sport you want to consider it alternative yeah. sport, whatever, like, but stands right up there with skateboarding and BMX yeah. and whatever. It's not like, but I mean, it's like not the, a grown up sport anymore. even in like middle school and high school, they have like mountain bike teams now. And it's like, dude, I would have, that would have been amazing for me at that age to like, be able to go and have that kind of support to go ride, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's awesome for the Nike thing is awesome for kids. It's awesome for, um, you know, just getting everybody to participate and stuff like that. But, um, I don't know. It's just my opinion. Like, I think, I think Nike overall is, is pretty awesome, mm-hmm. but I think that they're definitely a little bit too conservative as far as like, I don't, I don't know if it's like the right term. Like, I don't know if they make mountain biking cool to everybody. Mm-hmm. It's a, they make it an awesome participation sport. Mm-hmm. But like I worked with when, when Nike came to New Jersey, what's Nike? I don't know uh, what you're talking about. Nike is the national inter interscholastic cycling association. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all the high school cycling. Oh, I mean, okay. different states, different states do have scholastic um, cycling leagues, mm-hmm. but Nike is the national brand. And when they came to New Jersey, I was like super pumped to get involved because you know, obviously mountain biking provided me my life. And I had kids that were like at that age, mm-hmm. but Jack might, Jack when at the age was more into like, um, BMX. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I started going to like these board meetings and stuff. And we started talking about like potential venues to have races and everything. And, and every single venue that we talked about, and I, I 1000% see the point of like making courses inclusive and you don't want to make mm-hmm. them too difficult because we, you know, we don't want kids getting hurt. And like, even though I ride my bike professionally and try to do crazy shit, like I, I totally recognize that, like you got to get people into it first. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest barriers of entries. Cause when you look at some of the States that have like the highest participation in like cross country racing, which yeah. I think is an awesome bridge to get them into mountain biking like Wisconsin and Florida have two of the biggest cross country scenes in the country. And it's because if you get some random guy that just wants to try out racing his mountain bike, like it's not that hard there, you know, you you make the course hard by trying hard, but it's not necessarily inherently hard, but like, yeah, they're not Colorado and banging out a thousand foot climb right out of the gate, you know, right? like in Colorado, like you gotta be pretty freaking serious to do a race. Otherwise like the, or in New Jersey, like the train's really technical. So it's like hard, you know, like yeah. cross country racing struggles in New Jersey because like, it's not just something like you're going to tell your girlfriend, like, Hey, you should try mountain biking or, yeah. you know, like it's yeah, gotta it be a, take some time, you know, right, it, but, uh, there's so much of it. I, I take for granted too. I think because I've just grown up riding bikes, you know, that whenever some of these adults that I've been helping, you know, learn how to ride and, to me, it's so much of it. It's like, what do you mean? You don't know how to do it. Like I grew up on a yeah. bike. So I like it. I, there's so much of it that I just take for granted. And 
especially like my ladies, she's getting back into riding again. And I mean, she was a pretty damn good rider before she got in a car accident a while back, kind of like took her out of it for a while. And even just the other day, it was like taking her down some trail. And as soon as I got on it, I was like, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have took her here. You know, it was like, yeah, yeah. Cause it's like, you get to a point with your skill set that like things that are really hard for somebody getting into it is like so nominal to you. You, right, you know right. what I mean? And, and you forget about it. You like, and I'm not some, I'm not a professional writer by any means, you know what I mean? But obviously like I've been doing it long enough that, that I'm pretty good, you know? Right. So, and it's usually the nuanced stuff. So it's yeah. not like you think like, I'll take, I'll take her down this trail because this trail is pretty easy and it has like small nuance stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But probably the the bigger roller would be easier but you think in your head that's harder so you don't take around that but then like yeah. the little technical rock garden is really difficult so i was gonna say i got a little frustrated though because when we were talking about potential venues mm -hmm. it ended up being like it basically boiled down to like every venue that was appropriate for an ICA race was like a grass course uh, and it was always like you have to be able to ride the course with your with all your weight on your handlebars and your elbows locked <laughs> and like if it was like if it was too steep it's too difficult and it's like jesus christ like a 13 year old girl just won the olympic gold medal like we can't let these <laughs> kids like ride their mountain bike on like some kind of trail like there right. have to be a grass like a a grass and gravel road like yeah yeah there's got to be some kind of happy medium right right you know so um, talking so, about kids and mountain biking or kids and biking in general talk to me about about this candid thing that you do dude Candade is awesome. So I started working with Candade probably five years ago now. How'd you get hooked um, up with them? So I got hooked up with them because actually it probably wasn't five years ago. It was probably four years ago. It was when I first started like really paying attention to YouTube. And I saw that Nate Hills was popular on YouTube and Nate Hills was sponsored by Oscar Blues. So mm -hmm. I just like just was aware of that sponsorship and connection, whatever. And I was at an event for Giant. Um, I, some meeting and I was just sitting around dinner table and I, I just said like, you know, it'd be a, a really cool sponsor, a beer sponsor, like, like Oscar blues or something. Uh -huh. And one of the women sitting at the table was like, Oh, I know Dale really well. Like I could hook you up with, I could send an email introduction. And I was like, really? That'd be awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so she knew Dale, like this Dale, like, yeah. Dale, 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 Dale. That dude. So she couple days later like i got an email that was sent to dale and a guy chad who did marketing for oscar blues and me and just like making a group intro mm -hmm. and saw the email and then like a couple weeks went by and i didn't hear anything and i figured well that's that like right she tried yeah. and then i got an email back and like dale responded like oh hey man big fan like would love to talk let's set up a time and i was like holy shit dale knows who i am <laughs> but dale was always an avid mountain biker so he knows right. what's up like so he's like yeah like let's get let's hop on a call so um i my like my whole career one of the main deliverables i always did for sponsors was live trials demonstrations because mm -hmm. being a trials rider i had the ability to like ride bring the action of mountain biking this is yeah. how much of a boomer i am now nowadays when you want people to see the action <laughs> of mountain biking you right. just make a YouTube video. Right. 
But prior to YouTube, if you wanted people to see the action of mountain biking, you had to bring the action of mountain biking to the people. Right. So I grew up as a kid, like always going to BMX freestyle shows. And I always yeah. thought that was awesome. Right. So as I got older like and rad. got more into trials, like that was immediately where my brain went. I was like, right. this would be awesome. Like if you could tour around and do a trials demo. Mm-hmm. And Hans Ray was doing some trials demos, but prior, but other than that, like nobody was doing trials demos. That was more like, well, if you do a freestyle demo, you could do a freestyle demo. I'll just do a trials demo. Mm-hmm. So I, at first I was on Schwinn that, you know, I saw like the Regis and Kathy Lee clip, like yeah. that was in 96. I rode for them. Then I, then I started riding for giant, but like what I always did was I would compete in order to like have some type of, uh, credentials. Mm-hmm authenticity whatever but then i would the main value to all my sponsors was always going and doing trials demos whether it's at mountain bike festivals or bike shops or whatever Mm -hmm. you can go in the parking lot set up a truck and trailer with all kinds of ramps and stuff just like danny mccaskill does with the drop and roll tour now yeah yeah and like do a live mountain bike trials demonstration Mm -hmm. so when i started talking to oscar blues i was just going to start a youtube channel Mm-hmm. But that was like, I've always liked selling people on things that I already do, not that I'm going to do. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm going to start doing YouTube, but I also do a lot of trials demos and I could do, you know, give you branding on my demo rig and, you know, yeah. give you representation at these demos. And Oscar Blues, in addition to being a brewery, they, they, they're involved with a lot of uh, events. So mm-hmm. beer festivals, whatever. So for them, it made a lot of sense to. Oh, so you're like, dude, I can go to these beer demos. festivals now and ride. Yeah, so I go to like, I go to their burning can festival and do a mountain bike trials demonstration, provide entertainment for all these like outdoor sports enthusiasts. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then if the YouTube thing, I mean, even works, if you're not into biking, like watching somebody do trials is fucking cool. Totally, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like you could be a NASCAR guy and, and be at this NASCAR event and if there's some dude doing his bike like like you're gonna stop and watch it because it's just it's, dude over it's the cor- over the course of my career i've done trials demos at the most random shit you've ever seen like you're i've done them at the, I've, I've done a bar mitzvah <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did the 2002 winter olympics in salt lake city i oh, did wow, that's super cool palace in vegas yeah. i've done the van did you do it caesar's palace yeah, Caesar's Palace. That's kind of um, crazy. When I was riding for Schwinn, Schwinn was like such a powerful brand. Right. Um, you know, everybody just knew Schwinn from growing up as a kid. Yeah. And that, that was like 99 nine, or 96 through 2000. So mountain biking was really booming then. Mm-hmm. So mountain biking was really booming and Schwinn was such a powerful brand that I did all these like random things for Schwinn. Like, I did Regis and Kathy Lee and I did the today show and I did CBS early show and I did demos at Caesar's palace. And I did, there was a company in North Carolina that licensed the Schwinn brand for furniture. I did a, I did yeah. a furniture convention. Uh, spinning. Dude, you was said really- earlier you're 49, man. That blew me away. I wouldn't have thought you were that old freaking grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, uh, like spinning. Remember spinning like the exercise bikes for the gym. Yeah, yeah. Like the first spin bikes. That was like when the first spin bikes came out. So at all the health and fitness conventions, like spinning was huge. And Schwinn licensed that. Uh, Johnny G was like the guy who invented the spinning bike. Uh-huh. So the first spin bikes were always Schwinn bikes. Oh, wow. So so Schwinn would always have these massive booths at the trade shows. And I would 
I would do trials demos at those. Like I did the most random. Yeah. Uh, out, out, is Swin, uh, outdoor is Swin, lake. Is Swin gone now? I thought, uh, Schwinn, weren't they trying to make a comeback or something like that? Yeah. So Schwin was owned by, you know, a bunch of different companies. And then the last, when I, when I stopped riding for Schwin was in 2000, they went bankrupt for the second time. Yeah. And they got bought by Pacific bikes, which was a mass merchant brand. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they turned it into, they turned it into like a Walmart, yeah. Walmart brand. Does it, so, does it hurt um, your heart seeing like Schwinn and Mongoose in the, in the Walmarts? I know for me, like Mongoose was like the, the bike that everybody wanted yeah. back in the day. And it's like, every time I walk into Walmart or Target and I see a Mongoose, it's just like, makes me shake my head. It it did at first because like when I was riding for Schwinn, I thought I would never, like, I thought I would never ride for anybody else. I thought right. like I'd been riding for Schwinn forever. And then Schwinn went bankrupt and you're like, oh right. shit. Yeah. Cause and you were I, like basically like, like riding for like Ford, you know, like, like exactly, the, yeah, like, the, like most. Right. Like if you tell company. somebody because Schwinn was still in bike shops and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So like when I first started my career, if you told somebody you rode for Schwinn, everybody heard of Schwinn. Like yeah, yeah. everybody heard of Schwinn. Like my grandmother yeah. knew what Schwinn was, you know, right, like my right. mom. Heard of Schwinn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like it was easy. It wasn't like telling them you're riding for Reed back then. <laughs> yeah. Could you imagine uh, seeing like Yeti in, in Walmart in like 15 years? That'd be crazy, right? It'd be super crazy. <laughs> so, so I made that phone, I made that phone call and, and at first it was, to do live trial demos at their events. <clears throat> but then, then they said to me that they also, Candade was started by Oscar Blues as well, or not by Oscar uh-huh. Blues, by Dale. I Kitesh, forgot we were the talking guy. about Candade. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that was like the whole circle. So um, my first so deal with Oscar Blues. So basically, you, you get hooked up with Oscar Blues. That's the, the, the beer company. And then they do Candade. And then well. through those conversations, they're like, we also work with this nonprofit foundation, Candid, and we donate bikes to kids. Is that something you'd want to participate in as well? And I was like, absolutely. And is that because so, Reeb is part of Oscar Blues, right? Like same owners or something like that? So Oscar Blues was started. I, I should know my history better, but it was about 15 years ago or something like that. Uh-huh about eight years ago. So Dale was always an avid mountain biker. Mm-hmm. He's, he was having a guy custom build him single speed hardtails. And then one of his bikes got stolen. And if you've ever met Dale, he's just like a, a fuck it. I'm just going to do it guy. Yeah. So he's like, my bike got stolen. Fuck it. I'm starting my own bike company. <laughs> so so when they were the guy, doing the bikes with Candade, then they were given the re bikes then as well. Or they were just no, like, no, no, no. So, so Reeb was started first. Um, so he was like, fuck it. I'm starting my own bike company. We're starting Reeb. So the guys that would do marketing for Oscar blues, were doing marketing for Reeb. And it was just kind of like mm-hmm. a, yeah, you know, just like a celebration of that culture. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I got it. Okay. Um, little so they're only doing like a hundred, hundred bikes a year. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you were an employee, you'd get a Reeb bike. It was just like a cool thing because yeah, yeah, I got everybody it. there mountain bikes and stuff like right. that. Right. Then I think where are they located in so Reeb was started or Oscar Blues was started in Lyons, Colorado. Okay, so Colorado, and then they moved to Longmont, which was a couple towns over, whatever. Yeah, whatever. So So then they're in Colorado, so then that makes sense. Then then Lyons, which was the mountain town where Oscar Blues was founded in this tiny little barn, flooded, and as a response to that, they started Candade, 
So they were doing a bunch of grants to local people in the town and they shut down their canneries and or canning line and they canned water. So that's where the whole can thing, Oscar Blues was the first uh, brand to can craft beer. Oh, okay. So that's like where why it's canned aid. Um, cause Oscar blue has always been kind of synonymous with canning, okay, you know, going back then can, can beer wasn't as such a thing as it is now. Um, so they started candid. So here I was riding for giant and Oscar blues and trying to do stuff for candid, but I didn't have a ton of time to do stuff for candid. So I would do like one or two bike donations a year, mm-hmm. whatever I could fit in, but, I, but I really wasn't able to do a ton. Um, and then two years ago, I just got to a kind of like an impasse with Giant where their their goals, what they want, where they want to take their brand and what they wanted to utilize me for wasn't really what I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I started to see like YouTube getting really popular and like I just didn't have the time to do that writing for such a big brand or whatever. So I started looking at other options mm-hmm. and was looking at a lot of big brands thinking like, well, I'm going to go from, I, you know, I need to do the same in yeah. order to like keep doing my thing. But then right. the good thing was I rode for giant for 17 years. So you never really know, like, you never really know, like, did they just keep me around because they all like me or yeah. do I still have value in the industry or whatever? Right. I, I honestly wasn't sure. You so know? then you started a YouTube channel and you're like, wait, so a I started looking at like, <laughs> yeah so I, I started talking to other brands and stuff and like people were interested so i was right. like well that's good right but i i wasn't getting psyched on anything because if you had asked me three years ago i would have told you like yeah my job is my i'm gonna work for i'm gonna ride for giant and i'll work for giant someday yeah yeah and then you start realizing like if you don't have common visions like you're not working for giant someday, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you're like, well, shit, I just spent 17 years building somebody else's brand. Yeah. And then you see like, I wasn't building Jeff Lenoski or trail boss or anything yeah. that's sustainable to me. And the path forward for them wasn't going to do anything for me. It was just about the giant brand. And you're like, well, this is, this is eventually going to end where I have like no options other than like, if I just right. figure something so, out now. So I was to make, another make a long brand. story short, then you start, you start hooking up with these guys. Yeah. I was talking to all the, I was talking to other big brands and just, I wasn't really psyched on any of it. And it was right in front of my face. The girl, uh, Diana from Candid was like, well, how about if you ride for Reed? I was like, that would be awesome. Like the skateboarder punk rock BMXer in me, like loves that idea. Uh huh but I don't know how like that could actually work. Yeah. And like, well, you should just get on a phone call with them. And at the time it was only four of them. Now I'm number five. <clears throat> and I, and we decided like I could help with marketing and sales mm-hmm. and, you know, product representation and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And we've, and, and do more stuff for Candade. Yeah. Yeah. And we just realized like, you know what, this actually could work. And so what's, it was so, literally so the best the rid- move I've ever done in my career. Yeah, I'm super stoked for you, man. I remember when the giant thing went down. I remember talking to you on the phone about it and stuff. So I'm glad that it worked out for you this way. But back to the original question. So what what is Candade? How does it work? What 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 do you, how do you oh, guys like right, select right. the, the <clears throat> So Candade is a nonprofit organization. We do a bunch of uh, we do a bunch of donations to underprivileged kids. Uh-huh. Um, so they have 
one division that does musical instruments, which is a huge one because Oscar Blues and Third Candidate does a lot of uh, work with musical artists. Oh, that's so cool. they will they'll go into schools and donate musical equipment oh, or musical awesome. instruments. Yeah, um, yeah, which is pretty awesome. And then they have so that's under their tunes program. Uh huh. And then they have one called Tread to Trails, which is trying to get kids away from the screen and active. So uh -huh. that started out as bikes. Um, but now we've also been doing skateboard donations too, which is pretty awesome. Oh, so we'll go in and we'll donate bikes to an entire first grade class or skateboards to an entire first or second grade class. Have you put um, like little are... clips of that on, on something? I, I have, feel like I've seen it, on... it. Yeah. I put it on my YouTube channel all the yeah. time. And unfortunately nobody watches it. <laughs> I really, no, no, I felt like I've seen it before and it's just like, I can't, I can't imagine how rewarding that feels to like go in there and give those kids bikes. Like I, I, like I, I just, I, I, I would be like crying and shit, dude. It would yeah, like get me all emotional. It's absolutely amazing because I mean, I grew up, you know, pretty middle class, but yeah. you know, there's always stupid shit you can get into whatever bicycling yeah. was always like my, my compass. Yeah. You know, if I could always be doing something stupid, but I'd just get on my bike and kind of stay out of trouble other than getting yeah. hassled by the cops for like grinding yeah. a curb or something. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. you know, it was always like a good moral compass, whatever positive yeah. use of your energy, whatever. So to, to be in a situation where I've helped, uh, candidate even build that program a little bit, like through some industry partnerships and stuff like that. And, uh -huh. and be the one to go into the schools, um, and, give kids the same opportunity that I had fortunately because my dad just bought me my first bike but yeah. a lot of these kids aren't in that position you know they they're usually title one school so they're low income schools so, so we're going so in and we're giving happens? kids like the opportunity Oscar, Oscar Blues just like donates a certain amount of money and you guys like buy the bikes and then just show up and like... so Oscar Blues so that's where things are, are a little bit different now um, a few years ago Oscar Blues owned Reeb and it, and it controlled candidate and stuff like that but then oscar blues got sold three years ago uh, so okay. now we're all independently uh operated uh-huh so we're, we're all like best friends but we're but we're not under one umbrella anymore so reeb mm -hmm. stands on its own as its own company yeah. brand candidate is its own nonprofit organization and now candidate has grown a lot so we have tons of private fundraisers you know when my bike stuff got stolen last year, I did a, a big fundraiser. You know, there's a yeah, lot of yeah. private, I remember seeing that. A lot of yeah. private fundraising. We we even worked. You raised like twenty thousand dollars for that, didn't you? Twenty seven thousand dollars, which Dude, was freaking sick, awesome. Man. That's so really cool. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was that was probably one of the most rewarding things I've ever done. Yeah. Like I I kind of like when it when it happened, like all my shit got stolen. It was twenty five thousand. I had all kinds of messages like, "Hey man, let us help you out," and I was like. I don't, I don't think I'm going to need help. I think I'll be good with my sponsors and my insurance. Like, yeah, give me a couple months to figure this out. And like, right. once I got like back on my feet, I was like, all right, everybody offered to help me. I'm going to hold you to it. Like, right. <laughs> you're all willing to help me. Now let's see if we could actually do this. And at first I was like, oh yeah, we could raise 25,000. And then I started like looking around at the landscape and seeing like how hard it is for people to raise that much money. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, this is going to be actually really hard. But everybody yeah. came through. Everybody yeah. came through and, you know, there were so many people like, uh, like, uh, Joe from 
Mr. Tonka MTB, like uh-huh. he raised over a thousand bucks or maybe even 1500 bucks yeah. that got matched. And, uh, people were so generous. It was insane. Yeah. Um, but we raised it and it was, it was awesome. So, so Candid completely stands on its own. Now it's, uh, a lot of private donations. We also have a, a lot of corporate sponsorships and stuff like that. And now, so, so what do they with, do? How do they, how do they like come up with what school they're going to like, do the schools apply or they just go and like, so a lot of times the, the schools are dictated by, um, where the funding comes from. So for instance, like last year we did a bunch of donations around the Dallas area uh-huh. and it was because a, a brewery in that area hosted mm-hmm. two bike builds. Um, so we did two bike builds there and then subsequently donated the bikes around there. And then oh, over cool. the winter time, uh, Merrill came in as a big, uh, corporate sponsor. So we did a event in Michigan and then we donated those uh, those bikes in Michigan. So a lot so of times, like when you like, guys were building all those bikes at Sedona, did you guys like give them out in like Phoenix or something like that? Or so so the ones the one in Sedona was awesome. We did uh, I think we did two, two we did two bike builds in Sedona, didn't we? Yeah, maybe two different days. Or maybe we didn't. We did so the the first year we ever did one in Sedona, we. They built some bikes at McDowell Music Festival, which happened the same weekend as Sedona Fat Tire Fest when we donated those in Phoenix. The cool thing about Sedona was we did the bike build in Sedona, but the school adjacent to the concert ground where the where the festival is held was Mm -hmm. a Title One school. Oh, cool! So when those kids are sitting in class on Friday and they see all these mountain bikers from all over the country coming to Sedona to ride bikes on their trails. Yeah. Like now they have the opportunity to see what the sport's all about, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that so, was, that so was is really Reeb, cool. is Reeb like donating bikes too now, or are they just like donating? So, uh, Reeb donates to Candid. So uh-huh. Reeb help support Reeb help support Candid. Um, so you guys, you said, you said pretty much young kids though. So they're like little, like, like, yeah, these are kind of like are, Walmart BMX bikes, kind of that you guys are giving yeah, out. Yeah, so that that's actually was kind of cool. So the first the first donation that I ever went to, uh-huh. we were or they were buying. I think they were actually Huffy bikes. Uh huh. They were just at retail buying Huffy bikes. Yeah. And uh, the price that they were paying was close to double <clears throat> what we pay now, and that was because right. I I set them up with a good friend of mine who works for Kent international, which is a big private label yeah. manufacturer. You've probably heard of Kent. They do like, if it's not a Pacific biker, it's not a Schwinn and it's in a mass merchant. It's probably made by Kent. Yeah. 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 I know because people about. license different names and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you hooked um, them up with them. Now they're getting their bikes. Cheaper. I hooked them up with them. So now the bikes that these kids get are a model that's made specifically for us. It has a really oh, cool that's geometry. So cool. Yeah. It has like a, a long, low geometry. So it's like perfect for learning. Yeah, and then the the bikes are branded Candade, and oh, they have cool. a Reeb head badge, and then oh, they have nice. uh, they have Trail Boss stickers on their handlebars. Oh, sweet! Um, and those bikes are red. So if you've ever seen my hardtail, yeah, that's usually what I ride at those demos. Like the reason my bike is red is because the bikes that the kids get is red. Yeah, yeah. So, Dude, so it kind of all so matches. Cool. That's really yeah, cool. So, Cause Cause I can imagine getting, being like a first or a second grader and like come seeing somebody like you do a demo and then being like, do they know that they're getting bikes or you guys kind of like unveil usually, it at the end? 
I'd say nine times out of ten, they have no idea. There's been a couple situations where they have to bring home uh, uh, permission slips in order to uh-huh. get the bikes. Um, so sometimes, like, word gets out or something, yeah, they yeah, might yeah. have an idea. But usually, but they're, for, like, watching you do a bunch part, of tricks, and then they're yeah, getting a free bike. Exactly. And, like, sometimes Dude, we'll set them up, crazy. like... <laughs> we'll go to the we'll go to the school and we'll put them like in the auditorium behind the curtain or something. Yeah, yeah. And like we'll do a demonstration and get kids excited about bike riding and ask them if it seems like a sport they'd want to try. And then they like open the curtains and you're like, every one of you are going home with a new bike today, and the kids go insane. Yeah, awesome. I'm sure, dude. That's just gotta be like it's really, really, really awesome. Yeah, so, that's just gotta be sick. So um, tell the me, coolest um, part is go ahead. I was gonna say the coolest part is. Um, you know, a lot of times you'll go in and you'll do these donations and you might not have the opportunity to see these kids again, but at the sea otter, we've done three donations now. So and uh-huh. at the sea otter, I've, uh, I do a public outreach program for them. So I've been going to the schools prior to the sea otter for the past several years. And we'll do like mountain bike trials, dem- demonstrations yeah, yeah. and like get kids excited about bikes. But now that I've gone and we've, uh, we've always selected one of those schools for a candidate bike donation. Mm-hmm. So now I've had the opportunity to go back to those schools where we've given away bikes and actually talk to those kids who have had them for a year or two now. Yeah. And, and it's awesome. Like when you go back a year later and the kids talk about still riding those bikes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you never know, like, are you going to yeah. give away these bikes and they're just going to collect dust or are they actually yeah, going to yeah. go ride them? And you'll go back there a year later and all those kids are like still riding wow. the bikes, talk about riding the bikes. It's, that's so it's impactful, man, to people's lives. That's just amazing. I, I feel like I need to do something else in my life now. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, um, tell me, tell me why you like working with Reeb, dude. Um, I like working with Reeb because I've been riding professionally for 23 years mm-hmm. and um I've never really had the opportunity to have so much input yeah. in a brand like I do with Reeb. Um the signature hardtail that came out with this past year was something that happened within like six to eight months, which working for like a larger bike brand would be impossible. Yeah. You know, they they can't even prototype something in six to eight months if you're building stuff overseas. Yeah. But when you're building it in the U S it's, it's lean and mean and you could prototype and try a couple different versions and just bring it to market pretty quick. Um, so that's been pretty awesome. Uh, it's super, super risky and nerve wracking. Like when you work with such a small brand, when I stopped riding for giant, um, you know, when you work with a company that big, they're going to sell bikes regardless, Yeah. you know? So there's, it's really hard to tell whether or not you move the needle or anything like that. Right. Um, I, I mean, you might sell a handful of giants, but it's not going to affect their bottom line or whatever. Right. Right. And with a company like Reeb, like, we came close to doubling their sales last year and it's just a combination of a really strong PR effort last year. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully me helping a little bit and then them always for the past eight years making awesome bikes. Yeah. I feel pretty confident. It wasn't like I was, I wouldn't know who they are if that wasn't for you. So, (laughs) I mean, I would imagine there's a lot of people on YouTube that are the same way. Yeah. So, but the thing is they've always made awesome products. So that's, yeah, like, yeah, that's, totally. that's the most important thing. Cause, um, you know, if it was a brand that made garbage, you're not going to just, I was pretty impressed when buy. I saw their bikes at the, at Sedona. I, I had never seen one before that when I was came over the tent and it was like, this thing's dialed. Yeah. They make, they've 
they make really, really, really good high quality stuff. And uh, so when I first started writing for them, the, the two most, you know, most common responses were I've never heard of them or I have heard of them and they make good stuff, but it was yeah. never like, if you picked any of the large manufacturers, it, they're going to be polarizing. There's, you know, whether it's Trek, Giant, Specialized, anybody, yeah, somebody's going to say it sucks. Somebody's going to say it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But with Reeve, it was like, I've, I've never heard of them or they make good stuff. But yeah, yeah. No negative feedback. That's good. Like, so it was, it was pretty sweet. Is there anything like, like that really stands out with like their warranty or anything like that? That like, what would be the reason that you would tell somebody to get a Reeve? Um, I would tell somebody to buy a Reeve for, you know, if you're looking for a gravel bike or a hardtail, uh -huh. um, you're buying a custom bike. So special geometry, custom geometry, super simple. It's something that we do all the time uh -huh. with the suspension bikes. It's something we could do custom geometry on suspension bikes as well. It's just a little bit more difficult, but we spent a ton of time listening to riders mm -hmm. and being riders ourselves, which is, which is something super, super funny. Like when I rode for giant, uh, somebody would say like, do you really think the giant is a good bike? And it was a pretty decent bike, but I didn't design it or I didn't have yeah. anything to do with it. And right. with Reeb, like if somebody says like, is that Reeb really a good bike? I'm like, it is. And if, if it's not, I don't have anybody to blame but myself because it truly <laughs> is like <clears throat> Tim and Adam and, yeah. uh, and myself and Sam, like we design the bikes that we all collaborate on it. So yeah, like, yeah. if it sucks, we have nobody to blame but ourselves. Like it's yeah. stuff that we genuinely like. And yeah. And we'll go back and forth like, hey, I really think the seat should be a degree steeper. What do you think? Okay. Prototype it. Try it. Okay. Yeah. So the awesome thing with the suspension bikes is um, everything's handmade in, in Colorado. The tolerances and the craftsmanship are, are super tight, which uh, definitely leads to better long-term performance. Right. You don't wear out bushings. You don't wear out shocks. You'd be amazed yeah. when you buy stuff from overseas like, you know, people might think uh, if a shock wears out that the shock was bad. A lot of times it's because the frame's completely out of alignment or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, you could, you could engrave a bike any, any way you want it. You could paint a bike any way you want it. So it's kind of cool. Like when you're on the trail, you're not going to show up to a group ride and somebody's going to have the same cookie cutter YT or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're buying something special, you know? Um, and they, and they ride awesome. Yeah. You know, I honestly think it's the best bike I've ever ridden. Right on, and, dude. And, I'm not, and I'm not just saying that. So yeah, yeah. Are you a, are you a 29er guy or a 27.5? I can't remember. I'm a tw I'm a 29er. Yeah. yeah. Did it take you a while to get that, there, or you went you went in right away? Well, I rode for Giant for a long time, and they were huge on 27.5. Oh, and they switched to 29 though too. And Was they switched to 29er, but I think a lot of that had to do with like 29ers are really awesome now because the technology finally caught up with the bike. You yeah. know, there's, there's a lot of things that happened in bike design that made 29ers feasible. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're like five, six or something, there's still going to be a little bit of a big wheel for you or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you know, for the average size male or at least or whatever, mm -hmm. um, between steeper seat tubes. Well, I, I think the the whole thing that started the whole cascade was a dropper post. Once you had the dropper post, that allowed you to have longer travel mountain bikes because mm -hmm. 
10 years ago, you can't have 140 millimeter, 150 millimeter travel mountain bike if you can't drop the seat post. It just, mm-hmm. just doesn't make any sense. So the first thing that started everything was the dropper post. Mm-hmm. So you got the dropper post. The biggest complaint on two niners five, 10 years ago were that the chain stays were really long mm-hmm. and they just handled like shit. They super slow yeah. steering, whatever. Yeah, that's, but, that's the reason that I never liked them. But that's because you were everybody was still committed to like a 70 71 degree seat tube angle mm-hmm. so if you have a if you have any kind of long travel in the back you can't you have to have long chain stays not to hit the seat tube right you, you know and then also you're trying to still run two or three chain rings in the front so your bottom bracket has to be really wide yeah. so in order to make room for all that stuff your tire has to be back really far so you got the dropper post then then it became easier to move your seat tube farther forward Mm-hmm. um so then then the one by came out then and one by came out so now you can go wider with your bottom bracket steeper yeah. with your c-tube angle now all of a sudden you could tuck in your back tire a lot closer yeah stuff that wasn't possible five ten years ago so right. now the bikes aren't so so bad handling um and then when the c-tube gets steeper then you can make your front end longer mm-hmm. and you can make your you know before you used to have a short front end with a really long stem and a steep head angle, but now you yeah. can make a slacker head angle and just make your reach longer. Cause your seat tube is, you know, 10 years ago, you had to ride on the nose of your seat in a really uncomfortable position in order to keep your front end down. Yeah. And yeah. Totally. Was like a, you know, had to be like, right. <laughs> right in, a, in a terrible spot. And now it's like a 76 or 77 degree seat tube angle. Yeah. You could climb up some really steep stuff. Yeah. In a normal position and not feel like you're going to wheelie out all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, Dude, it just took a, a lot of like a, a rockhead when it comes to that stuff. I didn't even like think about it, but it's like when you're explaining it, I'm like, yeah, I remember doing that on those bikes, you know? Yeah. So it's just like a, a lot of that evolution had to happen. I, I actually had a friend of mine on Facebook today ask a question because he, he was, the, he was the guy that I completely looked up to when I first started mountain biking. He was like the local pro, Mm-hmm. cross-country rider awesome and he posted like looking for a new mountain bike is a dropper post a necessity and oh i was like God. on a modern on a modern mountain bike a hundred percent if i was to if i was to get on an old school hardtail i can ride it without a dropper post because yeah. it probably has a 70 degree seat tube angle so you could do a lot of maneuvering in front of the seat and the top tube is going to be short enough that you could do a, a lot of maneuvering behind the seat but on a current like modern suspension bike, the reach is so long and the seat is right up under your butt. Yeah. That you can't ride technical stuff unless you drop the seat because it's literally right. right under your butt. Yeah, yeah. But if it was a 10-year-old frame, you could you could do a lot of maneuvering with the seat kind of behind you. You're in front yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, um, I know what you're saying. So, yeah, it's like all those things kind of like worked in, <laughs> That's crazy. in unison to, to get I, everything. I think that even that question is crazy to me. I, I feel like <clears throat> I would probably give up quality like a lot of different quality parts over having a a a dropper you you know what i mean like if it was like have good brakes or a dropper it'd be dropper it'd be like have good wheels or a dropper it'd be a dropper you you know what i mean like i I can't think of right like i can't think of almost anything that i would like i would i would probably like go with the subpar anything else if it meant that i could have a dropper all right let's do f mary kill real quick okay sure Dropper post, uh-huh. brakes, tires. Do we do tires or gearing? 
Yeah, tires. I don't know. T tires probably probably the easier one. So you have yeah. to like get rid of one of them. You could you could have a one night stand with one. Yeah. You got to get rid of one for good, and one you got to live with for the rest of your life. What were the three choices? Brakes, dropper post, tires. So That's what would tough. you rather? What, what do you care if you never have again tires, brakes, or or dropper post? I, I would probably I would probably drop the tires. I would ri okay. rather ride with the shitty tires and and brakes and a dropper than. How about you? All right, so you take are you taking the dropper for a good time, or or are you taking the? Oh, the, the dropper stand. I'm I'm marrying. Dro you're marrying the dropper. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm in with and the dropper. And you're just having a good time with the brakes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> even like like the I always <laughs> tell you on my channel like you don't know you have shitty brakes until you get better ones. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Unless you have like horrible brakes, you know. But for the most part, like my first set of hydraulic brakes, I was like, these are amazing. I never thought that there was anything better than that. Until yeah. I got better brakes, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Like I didn't yeah. know you could stop any faster. I, you know, like that's so true. Because now, like, even up until like, I don't know, maybe two years ago, I was still running a one eighty rotor in the front and a one sixty in the back. And now, oh, like, wow. I can't ride anything less than a two hundred three in the front yeah. and a one eighty in the back. I had and, two or three and on four those. Piston, you know, like dual piston brakes and everything. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. I just made a post on my Instagram the other day talking about the uh, XT4 pistons. They're like yeah, phenomenal are... brakes. And then to me, I'm a big dude, so it's two or three front and back, and yeah. I think it makes a huge difference because um, they can just cool down. So you don't. I mean, we have long downhills. Maybe if I was somewhere that didn't have the the length of downhills that we have, then maybe I wouldn't care as much. But right, out here, right. it's like, dude, I'm like. The, the the ride I did today, my last three miles was like all fucking balls of the wall, you know, like 15, 20 miles and 25 miles an hour. You, you know, like you're going to heat yeah, some brakes up, you know? Yeah. So, that yeah. What would you do on the, on the three? I'll probably do the same thing. Drop yeah. and pose for sure. Yeah. And then like, you know, shitty tires suck, but you're not going to make it down anything without a dropper pose. Right. So, yeah. yeah. I, I would probably go with the same thing you went with. Yeah. When I got my chameleon, it was like the first time that I had been on a a bike. You know, I mean that bike was like the bottom of the line stock when I first rode it. And I, I wanted to make sure I rode it that way, like with the plastic pedals and everything. Yeah. And more than the plastic pedals that I was like, I need a dropper. Like I can't ride this bike like this. Like I could deal with those plastic like plastic pedals longer than i could deal with no dropper <laughs> you know oh yeah 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 and those plastic pedals are horrible like yeah. that was a very bad experience but i would still like if it was like me like talking to like 13 year old me that was just getting into mountain biking i'd be like get a dropper first dude like yeah. buy some bullshit cheap like knockoff pedals from amazon and get a dropper <laughs> you know yeah yeah so we're here at two hours, man. I like to ask people this because it's probably more for me than everybody else. But what other what other things do you watch on YouTube? Whether it's uh, mountain bike channels or like, is it other stuff that you're interested in? I watch a lot of like, uh, I mean, I watch a lot of sports stuff. I like watching Pat McAfee. You know who uh -huh. that is? No, I don't. Watch the name sounds familiar though. He was, he's like super popular on um YouTube sports stuff now. He okay. was a punter for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh-huh. 
And then, you ever listen to Dan Lebitard on ESPN? No, I don't think so. No? So, Dan Lebitard, he... This is crazy. I wonder if, if he's even on the air. Because now that I'm not driving around, like, my <laughs> patented move used to be, like, always listening to sports radio oh, yeah. while I'm driving. And I, I just don't, haven't done that forever. But I do Dan Lebitard... I'm driving. Yeah, so Dan Lebitard, he would also podcast, whatever. Uh-huh. But, like, uh, he had a... He had a the number one ESPN uh, radio Sports show, show. Uh-huh. that was more like socially. Um, it was more like around the social issues of sports. Uh-huh. Like he wouldn't he wouldn't talk for three hours about the scores of the game. He would talk right. about like different social issues in the locker room, whatever, and, and yeah, but yeah, in a yeah. funny way and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And he he became a fan of this guy Pat McAfee, and now Pat McAfee. He has a big YouTube channel, and uh-huh. you should check him out sometime. Yeah, uh, super funny guy. So I watch a lot of Pat McAfee. I watch uh, <clears throat> I watch a lot of like different like I don't know. I just feel like I I feel like I watch YouTube for everything now. Like yeah. all my news, I'll 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 go back and forth between like CNN and Fox News just to see because it's I always entertain myself with how yeah. different they are. And then, like, other news outlets. Uh, I've and... definitely found myself, like, watching a lot of YouTube, too. Like, I, and when I first started, like, even when I first started my channel, I didn't really watch YouTube at all. And it's gotten to now where it's, like, I mean, maybe, I mean, I watch, you know, there's regular TV that I watch with the lady. So, it's the kind of, like, you know, we're, we're doing it together. But like if she's not around, I'll I'll start watching some YouTube and go down a YouTube hole for like two hours instead of turning on some network show. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm looking at my my YouTube app on my phone, so I give you an accurate answer. So what pops <laughs> up is Joe Rogan, NFL, yeah, like um, now this news. A kid in my town who my son went to high school with and played uh, lacrosse with who's killing it now on YouTube. He's a, he's a bodybuilder. Uh huh. Super, 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 super nice kid. Awesome kid too. His, his YouTube channel is Jesse James West. Um, he has 77,000 subscribers now. So oh, wow, he grew up man. in Sparta. Um, he was the, so he was a year older than my son, Jack. Uh huh. Super popular kid, but always nice to everybody. Like uh-huh. the, the best kid ever. Cause you know, like a lot of times teenagers would be popular and like yeah. a little bit too cool. Yeah. This kid Jesse was awesome. Um, he got a division one scholarship to play lacrosse at Lehigh. Uh-huh. Went to Lehigh university on a division one full scholarship. Wanted to, wanted to do bodybuilding and wanted to do YouTube and just wasn't into the division one requirements and like uh-huh. rigor, rigorous requirements quit a division one oh, wow. college scholarship to follow yeah. his heart. I bet you and his parents he, were still now he's now he's killing it on YouTube. Yeah. And What's his he's channel? He's to, like just showing people how to work out and stuff. Jesse James West. It's uh always like workout routines, uh all That's kinds of cool. different stuff. Yeah, he's know, totally man. killing it. And he's like the nicest kid ever and he still plays college across D three now. And I guess he didn't play this year, but got uh did awesome. Um, a lot of skateboarding stuff. There's a there's a podcast called Nine Nights. Uh huh. Um, I watch that, and then just like other random stuff. 
yeah. just like new stuff and some bike stuff. I don't really subscribe to any bike channels. I'll just like poke around and see what's dude. I'll what's I'll, I'll unsubscribe from all of the bike channels every like couple of months because I like I get irritated, dude. I have like like some weird things where it's like I get tired of like the notifications, so I'm like fuck it. I'm unsubscribing everybody. And whenever yeah. they came, whenever they came out with that thing where it's like, oh, they'll tell you this guy's been following your channel for like three years. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Cause <laughs> it'll be like, oh, how long has Robert been following uh trail boss? One month. You know, like, like, damn it. Two days, you know, because like yeah, I exactly. do that. I, I just get tired of the notifications. Somebody else was like, dude, you know you can turn the notifications off. I'm like, yeah, but. I can also just unsubscribe from everything and then I don't get anything. So right, I don't right. know. It's just stupid, stupid things I do. And then I'll like re-add them all like a month later. And yeah, it's just back and I, forth. It's, it's absolutely not because I like anybody uh, better than anybody. But I think, I think the only YouTube channels I'm subscribed to are like you and Phil. Oh, and it's that's not because awesome. I don't like the other guys. Like I'm awesome friends with their Porter yeah. and like Jeff Kendall. We'd love like he's probably my favorite channel, but like I just don't subscribe. Like I, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you look at one, then it just keeps showing up. So yeah, like, yeah. And well, that's no part of the reason why it. I do it too. It's like I don't want to see the notifications, and then when I get on there, it shows me all the guys' videos I want to see anyway. Or yeah, I'm like, yeah. hey, I haven't seen a daily video in a while. Let me go check by this channel and see what's there. And then I get like to binge like three or four of them. You know? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah, totally. So, I don't know. Hey, man, I appreciate you getting on on with me, dude. This, um, I, I always have a great time talking with you. And I'm bummed that Sea Otter didn't happen because then we didn't get to hang out again. So hopefully 2021 we'll hang, we'll hang us a little better. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm hoping to like start traveling in the fall a little bit more. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'll if you be make, yeah, if you make your way California out here. or something like that. Yeah, for yeah. sure, dude. You make your way out here. Let's definitely do something, man. It would be uh it, it'd be fun to to go go ride. I, I don't have we I think the only time we've ridden together was when you tried to kill me in Sedona. I was gonna say on that one trail <laughs> that you did not did, did not like I wanted to go back this year. I was gonna I was hope I was hoping to go back to that trail and try to see if I could actually ride across and it just didn't work out. So maybe next year I'll, I'll go That's back. Funny up that you, did you watch, did you watch my new YouTube video? No, I didn't. With Aaron, with Aaron Chase? Uh-uh, no, I haven't seen it yet. When did it come okay. out? Uh, yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just, do me a favor. I'll have to check when it out. you log off from this. Yeah. I want you to watch it and I want you to, I wish there was some way like you could watch it right now. Cause I would love <laughs> to see your reaction. Like I would love, I was That's like, funny visibly like i like watching it going like i can't believe i did that that was sketchy whatever <laughs> I, knowing your fear of heights i want you to watch this video so yeah watch and send me a text when you're done i definitely will, I just man. put it up yesterday sweet yeah, you, yeah you will it will be your least favorite youtube video of all time i, <laughs> I promise it can't be any worse than the white line videos that i've seen those it, it's, it's worse just... i'm petrified of the white line and after watching this i'm like i don't know why i'm petrified of the white this this was sketchier <laughs> than the white line all right man i'll definitely check yeah. it out yeah. Well, thanks again, man. I really appreciate you coming on the show, dude. Like I said, always a good time chatting with you. Hey, everybody out there listening, if you liked the show and you want to keep seeing it, hit the thumbs up on the, if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. That makes me happy. Um, if you're watching a podcast, you know, leave a comment or write a write a review. Do do whatever you have to do to make this thing more popular because I want to see it grow. And uh, I'm I'm having a lot of fun doing these, man. I've always enjoyed it. I like talking to people and 
So let's let's see it happen. Um, next week, actually, it's going to be a little different. I'm going to have a, the owner or founder or one of the people that started the Shredley company. So it's a, a woman's apparel company. So it'll be really interesting to talk to her because I've talked to other companies like Tasco and stuff like that. So it'd be interesting to, to hear that, that female, female perspective. Um, like I said at the beginning, if you guys want to help me and like, so I can keep having empty beers back here in the background for you guys, you can join the Patreon fill up beer fridge for me. That'd be awesome. Um, once again, Jeff, thanks, man. I really, really had a great time hanging out, dude. It's always a pleasure talking to you for sure. <laughs> right on. So for all you guys that, that don't know the outro, it only takes a bike to be a biker. So get out and be one. <laughs>